So you could have had in this case some Democrats who decided to go ahead and vote for Kemp because they didn't want to, you know, they actually liked him better and thought he was doing a good job with how they were, you know, the situation mm-hmm. in there, but still want to have liberal national policies that support President Biden. So I know we both want to do the right thing with needle in our compasses trembling. Trapped in the flames as our house burns down. Left for dead cause we can't find common ground. Welcome back to the Interview Podcast on the Wine Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. Uh, this is a special election day live stream uh, as we wanted to talk about the election as it carries on uh, with me uh, live from the South Warmville down in Dallas, north of Dallas, Texas. Uh, Andrew DeGraff Reed is with us live. Uh, how's it going, man? It is going fabulous. Awesome. Uh, Seeing some red on the uh, on the old ticker up here, <laughs> and uh, I think we're about six minutes from another poll closing. So, so as we as we've been prepping this uh, stream today, we've been kind of looking through some of the uh, the numbers that they're calling. Uh, where are we at? <clears throat> um, if we ju- like you said that Florida has already called some races. Florida, uh, Florida the East called- Coast. Yeah, it's yeah. already called They've some called, races. I'm confused. Right, for DeSantis, uh, for Rubio. Uh, so that's, oh, uh, let's jump into this. MSNBC's got Florida. They're talking about right now. Hang on one second. Oh, that'd be great. We'll see what they've got. They've got tears, man. They've got tears. Except I'm confused here. Are they not talking? Are they just going through? So they got Fetterman 81.3% up against Dr. Oz 16.9, 7% in. It's too early to call in Pennsylvania, they claim, which is probably appropriate. Um, so I'm not sure what they're doing on this screen. So we'll drop out of there and come back to them and see what's going on. <laughs> um, uh, hey, they're more confused than we are, man. <laughs> it's so hard to know because so many people are, uh, so many things are streaming. Uh, I know Crowder is streaming. Um, he's on Rumble. Got kicked off of YouTube. Um, or as I call it, the worst county. The, the worst county. Oh, well, don't worry. It's only 20% of the voting machines. No, that's in the wrong one. Hold on. There we're we go. having a problem. Bridges of Maricopa, shitty county. Yes. <laughs> and elderly's in a tub. Legends of the fraud. <laughs> yes. Is that <laughs> Abbott in the background? <laughs> I think that's Abbott in the background. And you know what? This is also last time we called in to you in Michigan. I think it is. You did. When Wayne County was called. That's correct. Because are they in in Dallas is where they're based out of, or are they out of Austin? I'm not really sure where they're based out of. I I can't remember. I was down there visiting you a week ago uh, and got a chance to go uh, see the sausage get made for his... uh, The way he did his show. And it's kind of fun to see the, the process. It's kind of really interesting, though, because, you know, all you see, if you watch his Change My Mind segments at all on YouTube, all you get to see is his um, the the result. You don't see all the back end and all the people that are working the crowd to actually try to find uh, 
you know, to, to find people that will be compelling on camera. <clears throat> and I thought that was really interesting how they did that. Are they, are they looking for people that are compelling or people that are stupid? I actually don't think they're looking for people that are stupid for that. I really don't. I, I think they want someone who's willing to have a real, like, like to really press the point because obviously he's not going to go out there with no prep. I mean, he's totally prepared. And so I think he wants to really push back with data is what it seems like. And it was, it was impressive. Um, to see their machine work. And we stayed for about 45 minutes. It wasn't a long time, but it was kind of fun to see the process. <clears throat> All right. What, we did have a map we were looking at, didn't we? Uh, depends on which, you're, which one you're popping up. All there. right. I'm so the, the Google, just straight up Google. So, you know, we know that there's no bias here. Um, but Google, um, the Senate results currently... And this is updated 727. That was a minute ago. Um, Central Standard Time, which is what we're on. 38 uh, Democrats, uh, 35 GOP in the Senate. Um, yeah, you know, we. I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is that this is a it's a pretty tough road for Republicans in the Senate. There's there's only a handful of states that are a toss up. We, we were defending a lot of states. Um, not a lot of Democrats up for for reelection in in areas that were um, that were up for grabs. So mm -hmm. that's a tough that's a tough road. Oklahoma, uh, yeah. they're calling both of those. Um, two Senate seats were up in Oklahoma. I'm trying. You're you're. Graphic is kind of small for me, so I'm trying to see. What oh, okay, so I just, uh, search election maps on the Google, and it's just their Google's map that they've got rolling. Right. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Let's go back and see if uh, well MSNBC has got their they're talking yet. Audio. <laughs> No, just uh, I think they're taking a break. They're preparing. That's what it looks you like. Know, and, I, and I think they're behind on their counts too. Uh, that Warnock Walker count is way old. I think. Let me. I'm watching to see if there's a there's an update here. I lost my I lost my camera. Come on now, there we go. Sometimes it pays to have not the best gear. Uh, and we are just so anyone you're aware if you're listening uh, live, we are expecting to hear from Travis Wilson running for state representative for Missouri. Uh, he's supposed to jump in here shortly. We're also uh, we should have um, Jeremy Bynum running for uh, local house or uh, uh, state house. Uh, in the Ketchikan area, I believe, in Alaska. Uh, and then you said uh, we have another Ar Ar Arkansas. Is that right? No, uh, Matt's actually in Mississippi. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, we can we can get him to, to clarify, but I believe he's uh, licensed to practice law in Mississippi, Tennessee, 
All right. And possibly one other state. Excellent. Well, we will uh, grab those as we can. And the goal of this show is just to kind of have a conversation around the process of elections and uh, just watch stuff as it comes in. So it'll be a different interview like to normal. We've never done this before on this show. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy it a little bit as we go forward. But So uh, they just called uh, Arkansas for Huckabee Sanders. That's uh, was that the so, uh, the old press secretary for Donald Trump? Correct. correct. What's she uh, running for? Senate? Governor. Oh, governor. Go- wow. Now that's fascinating. Her dad was governor. Her dad was. So governor. we're starting an, an, a well, new dynasty. When we we get Matt on, we can have him talk about that a little bit. In fact, let me uh, if I can buzz him, get him to jump on. Uh, Matt actually worked on uh, her dad's campaign Ooh. and good friends with with her and and her uh, siblings so fantastic let's jump back into older is that a cardboard uh governor yeah i think it's abbott yeah is he cardboard in in the background for crowder (laughs) he's not moving That, that's kind of Abbott, though, right? I mean, how bad is it? I mean, Abbott is not actually compelling uh, person that you want to go vote for. I mean, the biggest motivation people had to vote was that if you didn't go vote for Abbott, you were going to get Beto. So, I mean. <laughs> What a compelling argument not to vote for a job. Yeah, I mean, again, the story here in Pennsylvania, with one exception right now, is is that you're seeing mail vote get reported out here first in a lot of these places, accounting for that uh, significant advantage that Fetterman has Natalia on your screen. You do see one Republican area reporting out here and Oz getting the the jump. So it's not all going to come in that order, but this is is the kind of pattern that Oz is going to need in a county like this. Uh, He's going to need same-day vote to come in huge for him, you know, to offset this. One thing we're seeing is relative, also seeing is that relative to 2020, you know, Fetterman yeah, is so this is fascinating that they are, pretty um, much as when as Joe Biden bumps did, come uh, in maybe a difference of a few for points, the, there is be the person that they aren't, they don't lean toward. And if you follow MSNBC at all, you understand that they lean heavily to the to the left. Uh, and so if, <laughs> sorry, tip, fall, dry, I'm not, whatever you want to call it. They reside in the left. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so it's fascinating that, you know, they're, well, you know, if, if Oz does good, it's only because, well, you know, this is what he's going to need more of to beat our guy, Fetterman. Uh, and that's interesting. Uh, it looks like Matt is here available. Uh, are we? Yeah, yeah let's we'll, do it. We'll drop him in here. Matt Wilson, welcome to the interview. Hello, how are you? Can you hear me? We can. Thank you. Yes. Well, good. Um, I've got some. My glasses need new bifocals, and so I have to. <laughs> I have to take my glasses off to read. So excellent. So I'm I'm, I'm channeling my inner William Kunstler. You know, you remember the old William Kunstler attorney, the one who wore the glasses over his forehead and so, so you get to use your glasses for a headband now i, I do i do i do yes mm-hmm. so matt um give us a little introduction here so uh 
Matt and I went to uh, law school together. He was a year ahead of me, uh, obviously uh, a little smarter than me. So, well, um, I mean, obviously. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, what, what's, what's a few, you know, term papers between friends between or friends, something? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Matt, you're, you're licensed <clears throat> in how many states now? Mississippi and Tennessee, and I'm also a registered patent attorney. Ah, excellent, excellent. So, um, we were just talking about. So they've already called the race for uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I know I saw that mm-hmm. you have some you have some connection there. You you want to? I, I do. Um, when I was uh, a lowly engineering major at Mississippi State University, I <laughs> had the occasion to go to. Uh, conference in memphis and uh, bumped into a young man named john mark huckabee and uh, we hit it off real well turned out his father was the governor and um for long i'm going to work for his dad as a as a uh, political uh as his youth coordinator officially and uh, what i was supposed to do on paper was to do these little things to get college kids out to vote and that kind of stuff but we ended up having a situation where the governor was so far ahead in the polls that our volunteers by and large left us, not because they were mad at the governor, not because they didn't want him to win, but they wanted to go and, and work for the down ballot Republicans because they needed to help more. So instead of being the youth coordinator, I ended up being the chief volunteer. So I'd wake up one morning, go to the office, and they'd say, all right, we need signs in Lake Village. So I'd have to drive down the Mississippi River and the Louisiana border and put up signs. And then the next morning, all right, there's not enough signs in Fort Smith. So I'd have to drive to Oklahoma border and put some signs up. And um, and then I ended up doing a lot more stuff where, like, uh, we would go to these events like the uh, Watermelon Festival in Hope. What Did you do the Watermelon Crawl? No, no, didn't do anything like that. <laughs> but we would go to these various parades and whatnot, and I would end up being essentially the body man. And, and, and so, we, you know, the governor's security would be like, you know, 10, you know, five or six feet away, and they would be surveying the people and whatnot, and they were doing their job. But I was the one that was literally like two feet from the governor, and I used to just think to myself, if somebody wanted to cap the man, I'd be the one taking the bullet. I felt like, <laughs> you know um, – but no, I enjoyed it. He, he, Governor Huckabee has been a very, very, he, the family's been good to me. The governor has been a dear friend of mine for 25 years. We were so, in fact, this is really funny. When you ran for president uh, the last time, no, the first time, the first time you ran for president, and he was starting to gain momentum. And this has been about, see, I hadn't seen him in 2000. I, I, it had been about seven or eight years since I had seen him because, you know, it was before Facebook had really just gotten in vogue. It's about 2008. And uh, he had come to uh, Mississippi for uh, to, to campaign for some fella. And actually, before that, he had come to Alabama to, to actually campaign as he was running for president. And I got in line and, and saw him. And he was so excited to see me. And we were chatting. And and, you know, I felt bad for the other people that wanted to meet the guy. So I'd say, hey, you, yeah, you need your book. Yeah, give me your book. So, Governor, this fellow from <laughs> Alabama here needs, you know, a really nice lady here. Autograph it for his daughter. Yeah, very good. So how's Janet? Oh, Janet's in Alaska. Oh, great. You know, uh, hey, you, you want a picture? Okay. It was like old time's sake. I was, I was like going back to my old, you know. Well, then about 
uh, eight years later, was it eight years later? Yeah, seven years later when he was running for president again, uh, uh, Sarah uh, I messaged her, and uh, this is long before she became White House press secretary, long before she became a household name. And uh, so I was going to do a little bit of work for them. And, of course, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, you know, Mr. Trump uh, came and, and, and pulled it off. And, uh, and he didn't end up, um, you know, going any further into the, into the um, Republican race. So, um, you know, but I've, I've been uh, acquainted with them for very, very many years and very excited about uh, Sarah uh, winning tonight. So, um, Matt, Matt, I have a question regarding sure. um, when she was since I mean, you have how how close are you to her to be able to have conversation? Well, I'm 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 much much closer with her oldest brother. Okay, okay. Uh, I've I've been friends with him for 25 years, and you know I've lived in various places from Oklahoma, you know Tennessee, Mississippi, Virginia, and he's one of the few friends that have checked in with me literally mm-hmm. like once a week. Every week I've lived somewhere I've been at. Okay. Um, but Sarah. I'll tell you the first time I met Sarah, it was so interesting. It was I had just went to work for the campaign for her father, and I had just graduated from college, just moved to Arkansas with my wife. And in Arkansas, the primary for governor at the time, and I think it still is, is in May. And um, uh, so we had a primary, and and a gentleman ran against the governor, and he was – I mean he was a perennial candidate, if you know what I mean. I mean there was no real competition, mm-hmm. but we still went ahead and had a watch party. And um, so we went to this hotel for the watch party. And, of course, my wife and I, Amy, you know, we're new to Arkansas. We don't really know anybody. We hardly know people <laughs> on the campaign. We just literally started working there two weeks earlier. And I'm sitting in the in the foyer next to a little 16-year-old girl who happens to be the governor's daughter. And, and I say, Sarah, how you doing? I mean, it's like <laughs> – and so it's weird knowing that – the governor-elect of Arkansas is somebody I've known since she was a junior in high school. Now, I mean, we're on first-name basis. Yeah. Um, um, you know, we're Facebook friends. Uh, you know, she would know me, and I mean, you know what I'm saying. But we're yeah. not, we're not uh, drinking buddies by any stretch of the imagination. Well, cause, if cause, there was anything close right. to that, it would be with her brother. Gotcha. Because I was curious to know if you had any insight of of what her. Like how the experience of being press secretary was, because I I just think that would be a fascinating like look into what that world looked like. Well, um, I dealt with her just a little bit one time when she was press secretary, and and, and uh, what had happened. Um, I had heard of a well, if you know, President Trump, for all of his. For all the people that, that dislike him, for all the people that love him, you know, mm-hmm. he, he he's one of these very down to earth kind of guys who who <clears throat> genuinely cares for folks whenever they go through tough times. And um, I was I had an idea because there was a, a particular young woman in in one of the communities I lived, a cousin of of a friend of mine who uh, whose husband had died at work, a tragic death or something, mm. and um, I asked Governor Huckabee if he thought this was a good idea. Maybe we could see if the president might send her a letter or something. And uh, and he said, well, why don't we just check with Sarah? And so she copied me, and sure enough, I'm communicating with the White House press secretary. 
And uh, well, it turned out the president wasn't able to do something because like the very next day, you know, the, the North Korean dictator decided to start lobbing, you know, missiles into, <laughs> you know, into uh, uh, the Pacific. And it was like, you know, DEFCON may have been raised and yeah. we were thinking nuclear war. And it's like, oh, gosh, I can't I can't bug the president <laughs> for something like this. Right. Um, but I'm sure they would have been amenable and helping and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But but it was, uh, um, you know, knowing knowing the Huckabees as long as I've known them, um, you have to understand that that uh, I, I know the, the the personalities of of the governor and and, and Mrs. Huckabee. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Governor Huckabee is it, first of all they're both warm, loving, caring, God fearing. You know what, what I'm saying. Um, but sometimes um, Janet can be a little bit more direct than, you know, than the governor. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so, I mean, I mean, she, she doesn't really pull that many punches. Um, governor Huckabee on the other hand is a little bit more um, uh, finessed. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying she's not, I'm just saying, you know, they're, they're both the, 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 the heads and the tails, the obverse, the reverse side of the same coin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I see so much about, you know, um, their respective personalities when I look at Sarah, and it's amazing how she is a literal perfect mix between her mother and her father, and I just am, am marvel at that because uh, I love them so much, and, I, and I'm so proud of her, you know. Yeah. Um, but so that was – that. so we're, I'm very excited about that. Um also, you know, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, Andrew, but uh, one of our other law school buddies was the nominee for governor of uh, Maryland this year, right? Did you know that? Who, who was that? I didn't know that. Dan Cox. He was in my class in law school. He was the Republican nominee for governor of Maryland. Yeah, I think they've already called that election. Yeah, yeah. I worked on <laughs> – I worked actually worked on that campaign. Um, I was I was one of the lawyers on, a, on a situation. Um, so, yeah, but it's, it's weird how the older you get and the more connected we are with, with electronics and Facebook, you know, the more you see friends of yours that are engaging in the political arena, you know, and then you end up become working with them or doing stuff for them. Um, I have, uh, another friend of mine who I went to church with in Tennessee, come to find out his brother-in-law is running for governor of New Mexico. I mean, it's. It's just it's just weird how you can bump into people or interact with people who who have these interesting stories and these interesting connections, you know. So, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so it looks like in the Senate race, they've called Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. For Republicans. Well, there's two Oklahoma races running. You've got to be careful. Yeah, I, I, you're right, and I, I think they may have actually called both of those. Okay. Uh, they have. They have. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very similar numbers. Very similar numbers. Yep. And, and one of the things I used to live in Oklahoma, and um, granted that was 20 years. In fact, it was right before I went to law school. We moved from Oklahoma to Virginia. Which is weird, considering the fact I'm a Mississippi boy. I'm living in Oklahoma, and uh, uh, when we lived in Oklahoma, 
you know, we were using the Scantron ballots back then. I don't know how they do them now. But they, they had a mechanism where you could do just check one box and do strike party line voting. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it was, like I said, 20 years ago when I lived in Tulsa. But, um, and, you know, sometimes I would check it, and then sometimes I'd be wondering, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who this school board person is. I don't know who that person is. So, I, I, I mean, in some of those down-ballot races, I would just vote for the person who had the prettiest sign. I mean, really, <laughs> I hate to say you know, it. It, it oh, was interesting. That, my first my first time voting here in Texas, um, so when they um, – we went in and, and to to get your ballot, you have to show your ID. They scan your ID, and when you when they scan your ID, it actually prints your ballot at that point. Um, so there are no there are no stray ballots running around. Mm-hmm. The ballot is actually printed when they scan your ID and determine that you're eligible to vote. Uh, and Andrew, so, I don't want to totally shut you off, but let's check in with Chuck Todd here. Then yeah. suddenly, you know, we see where this is Oops, going. Sorry, hold on. Wisconsin is still there a state go. Republicans feel better about. So we'll go ahead and put that there just for our hypothetical. We're not calling a race for anybody wondering out there. <laughs> no call at all. So then you've got Pennsylvania. I'm going to wait on Georgia. I'm going to wait on Arizona is one that Democrats still feel pretty good about. So, look, yeah, right. if this is what we're looking at here. And this was always the three, I think, closest races. You had Georgia runoff, which I think is a strong possibility. Nevada. We're going to find out, right? It looks like the governor's in big trouble there. Does he drag down the Democratic incumbent senator? So, look, if Republicans grab this one, then they just need one of the final two, Pennsylvania, or win the runoff. But I'll tell you, while the House may not be much of of a story by the end of the night, I think we're going to be sitting here, perhaps with Georgia and Pennsylvania, for the rest of the week. And you know, we you know, know that's you know a bold Arizona. prediction. We're not going to yeah. get the full count. Be prepared Arizona. for the entire even week. It, even if one of the candidates wins by three or four points, yeah. we probably still won't know for a week. So it's coming down to Georgia and Pennsylvania <laughs> wow. for the Senate. You're giving so it, Do you think that's just prep to make sure that everyone is aware that come on, it, we're not going to know, so just be ready. You think that's part of it? I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the what the motive is. You're, the only people you're hearing that from is from the left. So uh, it it is interesting to see what the. Oh, okay, you guys are clearly much more aged than I am. Um, oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> so my daughter, so... I tell you what. In fairness, I went to Walmart yesterday <laughs> with my daughter, and 14 years old. She says, "You know, Dad, you ought to dress up at Santa this year." <laughs> <laughs> so you slapped her well, across the room. I guess I could. Um, no, <clears throat> do you recall any time in your life and the peanut gallery is here and he's clearly older than me as well. Um, the, uh, 12 years older, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> the, uh, that's disturbing if you think about it. Um, just so you know, Matt, that's his dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and we're not from Mississippi. Um, the, have you, do you recall a time when. We we were planning to not know the results the night of the election. Trying to think in my lifetime. Of course, recent things, you know, tw- the, well, planning. Sure. Yeah, I think the only one I can think of would be the, the George Bush Al Gore. I mean, that one was the first yeah. one in my lifetime where we, things were you know, things were drug out and we didn't know what was going on. Mm. Uh, of course, we saw it repeated in in twenty. Right. Um, 
but as far as as active planning out mm-hmm. you know no i can't think of anything I, mean, I, I can imagine because i mean i mean even in the close race well, first of all let's back up okay uh, i was born in 74 uh and i didn't start po- following po- presidential politics until 80 mm-hmm. i was six years old but i was really into it um and i remember i, I distinctly remember the night president carter lost to president reagan and and I was, I was devastated, um, because at the time I was, you know, a Southern Democrat. My father was a Democrat. I liked, you know, Carter. Yeah. Um, but then I became a fan of Reagan, and I, you know, love him too. Um, but I digress. But I remember that night, and um, you know, it was, I mean, it was called even before California opened their poll, closed their polls. Yeah. Uh, President Reagan got the. President Reagan got the word that he had won when President Carter called him and Nancy had to go get him out of the shower to say the president's on the phone <laughs> wanting to concede. Did, did y'all know that? I no, mean, really. I didn't. No. Yeah. I mean, so, so, um, and then you move forward in 84. Oh my gosh, that was such a landslide. I mean, Walter Mondale carried Minnesota and he carried the District of Columbia but Reagan ran the table on every other state. Hmm. Okay, so so the next race, 88, Dukakis versus Bush, uh, you know, we were we were expecting it to be much closer. Of course, we know Bush pulled it out. Then, of course, 92 is when it when it became when when it became a three man race, and we didn't know what we were getting into. But even then, yeah, was that really a three? We, it kind of was a three man race, but it, didn't that give it to Clinton? Yeah. Well, no, well, I mean, here Clinton only won with forty three percent of the vote. Um, because I mean, uh, what had happened is now, I mean, Perot never had a single electoral vote, but he took enough of uh, Bush Senior's vote and split the difference enough that he was. You know, it, it caused Clinton to to jump over Bush in some key states. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, and then and then Perot did it again in in '96, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Clinton only had 47 percent of the vote then, um, going after Dole. Yeah. So, do we so, get to blame Perot for for having to deal with with uh, that shrill Clinton that keeps hanging around and just will not go away? Yeah, I think we, 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 he, 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 I mean, God rest his soul. I think he does have some bearing. I also think, and I'm, I mean, no disrespect for the late Admiral, but putting Admiral Stockdale on that ticket in ni- in 1992 tanked it for, made, made it even worse for Perot. You know what I'm saying? Um, do y'all remember that? Do you remember that, Andrew? Uh, he w- no, I guess I don't. Okay. So, so Stockdale, was was viewed to begin with as like a, a major coup for Perot because Stockdale had been a POW in in Vietnam and he was if I'm not mistaken and he was and he by this time he was an admiral so he was McCain and, before McCain yeah yeah basically okay. but he had no political experience mm. okay he was just he was just a and they had the vice presidential debate with uh, Al Gore and um like I said, this is Dan Quayle and um and then they also had admiral stockdale and why am i here exactly <laughs> yes thank you why am i here i mean he said that during the 
Um, he said that during the debate and, <laughs> and people, people felt about as bad for Admiral Stockdale on a personal level. Like Mr. Pro, why are you putting him through this? Okay. Um, sort of like, Sort of like a lot of folks think of, of President Biden. Why are you putting? Why is, why is the Democrats putting a man with with cognitive issues through what he's as president, if nothing else? Um. So that was a a big factor. Um. And uh, at any rate, I, you know, we'd be in a completely different world right now if Bush had won in in ninety two. We certainly would have been. Of course, there wouldn't have been Hillary or Bill or anything like that. Yeah, then, do you think they but, would have just picked it up, waited for, and then? I I don't know, man. <clears throat> that, that seems. I, I think they were very opportunistic uh, in that. Yeah. That point. I mean. Yeah, I mean, they were. Nobody, nobody really wanted to run against Bush, right? Oh God! Well, let's back up. Let's back up. I I I, I was talking to my daughter, or no, was it my son? I was explaining my son this today. In 1991, following the Gulf War, Mr. Bush had a 91% approval rating, okay? I kid you not. That was – look it up. Gallup had him at 91% following the Gulf War. And so Saturday Night Live did a sketch, and I hope hope it's still online somewhere, but it's a sketch of all the Democrat candidates on a debate arguing about why they should not be picked to be the nominee. That was the whole sketch, and and instead of having Al Gore as the on the stage, they had someone pretending to be Tipper, and Tipper uh, in, in this Saturday Night Live sketch said, uh, uh, "Al couldn't make it because he's gone to a you know a gay porn film with our son." <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's that's just the the, the perception. Okay, but then um, President um, Bush he had raised taxes that triggered a recession. The recession, you know, spiral, and then, you know, and then Ross Perot had some bad blood with with Bush because of some Texas things, and decided to run against him, and and Clinton and James Carville, um, you know, James Carville, James Carville, Carville. Carville. By the way, you know, you got to get back to the Huckabee thing for just a minute. (laughs) Hold on, just a second, Matt. I think we have somebody else that's got a relatively limited amount of time to join us here. Oh That's, yeah. Uh, you, uh, as, as soon as he's back at the helm, he just stepped away for a second. As soon as we get back, Travis, right, Travis Wilson's ahead, here. Matt, so we may cut you off again here in just a minute, but go ahead. Well, the basic gist of it is, is that <laughs> when I lived in Arkansas, uh, one time I went to the governor's mansion to watch a football game and uh, watched it in the basement. And it was so wild was knowing that was where I, huh? I need to know what the football game was. Though. It was the Arkansas Mississippi state game. <laughs> it's I mean, college, uh, Andrew. <laughs> It was a college game. I, I knew he would know. Right. And, All right. Um, but anyway, it was just wild Excellent. knowing that they had done the campaign in that very room. That's where they had planned That's cool, the, yeah. uh, the big thing. Yeah. Travis Wilson, you're here. How are you? I am here, and gentlemen, I am thrilled to be with you. It's been a long day, and happy <laughs> I to bet. be here with, with, with Matt Wilson. Matt, my my name is Travis Wilson, so good to meet you, sir. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, when we were separated at birth that, well, never, I'm just, I don't know where that came from. It, 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 had, it had to be true. I mean, we're two handsome guys, which... Anybody who's listening can can more than tell. Absolutely, you know, face for the radio. Sound of our voice. Absolutely. You know? Well, I do have exactly. my radio voice on. So. <laughs> I like it. All right, Travis. That's um, right. 
Travis, you're running for state representative in Missouri, Missouri, correct? That's that's right. But, but is it, it is, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri? What is it? Well, well, I'll tell you something. I call it Missouri. My my uh, mother calls it Missouri because her father was from Popper Bluff, which is a rural, very rural mm. part of the state. And and we're hoping that by the end of the night, the Democrats do call it misery. <laughs> so that's so, <laughs> that's the way I would phrase it. Absolutely. So how uh, how are you feeling today? Because polls closed what we, hour we, ago? We feel good. We feel good. Yes, the polls closed right at just about an hour ago, and uh, I'm looking at my computer screen at the St. Charles County Election Authority website, the unofficial election results. I do not see anything yet. It is zero of zero precincts reporting. So um, those are our current results, gentlemen. Were there any uh, any sentiment that was good or bad toward you as you saw people today? So, um, yes, definitely felt some good vibes. Um, I uh, I was at one of the more uh, 50-50 type precincts within my district, and I put my family members who were volunteering and gave me their entire day, which I'm very thankful for. I put them at the more Republican-friendly districts. Okay. So they got a lot of thumbs up. They got a lot of, hey, I voted for your son sort of deal, and, and I appreciate that. I took the, the more challenging districts. Uh, because it's the largest one, 4,000 people uh, are registered at the precinct that I hung out at today. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it uh, we we feel good. You know, I I definitely like to to tell you that I'm I'm going to do well in my precinct. But uh, you know, we're we're going to wait and find out here shortly. Hopefully, within the next hour or so. And what is what is that website that you're uh, you're watching there? I don't. I know you're not going to be able to stay with us very long. So uh. sure. No, I will. Uh, I'll tell you what. If I've got my email pulled up as well, and I've got that link copy, tell me your email. I'll email it to you right now. <laughs> Can you drop it in the <laughs> chat in this window? Um. No. Well, yes. Hang on. In, Hang yeah. on. I gotta <laughs> go. I gotta go away so to speak, so I can come back. Because <laughs> there, there, there is a private chat tab. At the bottom of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just yes. making sure. Super right. secret I, I private chat. That. Right. <laughs> That's right. We do not want to share that with anyone because God forbid that someone spam. would. That's right. We'll get spam. Because right. so, none of us so, get spam. On another note. Oh, I, not at all. I think I'm seeing some some sports things hanging over your shoulder there, but I can't quite tell what they are. What What do you got behind you yes. in the background there? Yes, so I'm happy to tell you about that. So, uh, so that that over over my shoulder here, that right there is a pennant from 2011. That's when the Cardinals won the World Series last. They won it in 2011, and incidentally, that's a very special year because that's the year that uh, our middle child Lincoln was born, and so he was born on a World Series year uh, 2011. I was born 1982, so that was a World Series year as as well. For the Cardinals, you know, we we have eleven world championships. I just want to put that out there, and uh, and and here's here's something that you're also going to find interesting. How many Yankees have them? They 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 have they have a few, you know, but but I've I've got a great joke for you today. Um, you know, what is the difference between the Cubs and the Democrats? What's the difference between the Cubs and the Democrats? The Democrats are are excuse me. The Cubs have actually done something productive in the past decade. 
There you or go. you could also uh, say the Cubs have had the lights on for 34 years. <laughs> you know what? That's even better. You know, I, I think we could draw a lot of correlations, and I'm a lifelong Cardinals fan, and I hope my, my cousin Alyssa is, is listening because she married into the to the Cubs' storied dynasty. And, um, you know, the reality is uh, I, don't, I don't bear any ill will against the Cubs. I just want to see the Cardinals beat them. That's really all it comes down to. But, um, you know, the Cubs have done a variety of things significantly better than the Democratic Party, you know. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of jokes we could write about this entire scenario. But I digress. <laughs> so so you guys probably want to hear a little bit about Missouri politics right now, right? What's what the, the, the wind is blowing here? Yes, so to speak. give it to us. Absolutely. OK, so in that uh, website I put in the chat, you'll be able to see what's happening with St. Charles County. And so uh, Senator soon to, soon to be Senator Eric Schmidt, he is going to carry St. Charles County by the by the boatloads. And so we have about 400,000 people who live in St. Charles County. He's going to carry that. He's going to carry the state handily. He may win. I don't I don't want to necessarily jinx anything, but he may win as by as much as 20 points. There some some projections have him beating Trudy Bush Valentine, who, by the way, pumped a lot of her own money into it. She, of course, is from the Bush family, uh, not to be confused with the Bush family Matt was talking about earlier, but more about the uh, Bush beer. Oh, SCH. Yes, correct. Correct. And so here in the St. Louis area, the Bush family is a, a they're they're still very much a big part of the community. And so um, she decided to run for this seat and the the DNC, mind you, did not put a lot of money into this race. So Trudy Bush Valentine actually had to do a, uh, a late injection of cash on her own. Just in the month of October, she put in $3.3 million of her own cash. And I can tell you that we still believe Schmidt's going to win by between 17 and 20 points. So, wow. so and, and, and really that's where we're getting that from. That that's that's correct. That's correct. You you definitely called it there. And and where we're drawing that from is you look at the 2020 numbers for our statewide officials, Governor Parson, Secretary of State Ashcroft, which is the son of uh, the former Attorney General John Ashcroft. Oh, John. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And so um, you know he did very well. Uh, Parson did very well. Uh, obviously, you know, in 2018. Uh, Senator Hawley did very well, you know, and so we're talking about those double digit gaps. And, you know, obviously St. Louis and Kansas City have Democrat representation. But when you get outside those metros, the entire the rest of the entire state, including St. Charles County, where I live, they are very, very much uh, supportive of our, our Republican candidates. And thank God they are, because, you know, if you if you want to be in an area that's not doing as well, just go right across the river and live in the state of Illinois. You're, you're welcome to do that. You're welcome to <laughs> to deal with crumbling roads. And, you know, um, leaders like uh, Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago, you know, and uh, and, uh, you know, leaders like like Pritzker, you know, and, and it's 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 funny. You drive through. I, I drive through the Metro East from time to time for, for various reasons. And um, you see these yard signs and it says Pritzker sucks. <laughs> and, 
And I keep going, man, where can I get a sign like that? That's yeah. that's my kind of sign right there. Can I get an autograph on that? Because, <laughs> you know, I, I if, and it, it always boils down to if Democrat leadership was so wonderful, then how come it's their cities which are dealing with such high inflation rates, such high crime rates, such high homelessness rates? It, it's just, it, you know, it, it boggles the mind, really, you know. So one of the things that, that Democrats have been pointing out uh, recently is the, um, the increase in crime in a lot of Republican states, um, but failing to mention that uh, most of that crime centers around Democrat-controlled areas of those states. Correct. Correct. And and I actually um, I encountered a lady here recently. She uh, we, we were just we were we were downtown waiting in a, in a, in a line together for an event. And um, I said, so where are you from? You know, and she said, oh, I'm from I'm from Austin. And I said, oh, a Texas girl. And she goes, no, no, no. I'm from Austin. <laughs> and I, I kind of had a I kind of had a head scratch. Moment where I thought, well, wait a oh, minute. That's very it, true. It, yeah, it's very isn't true. isn't yeah. Austin in Texas? But she did no, not want to identify no, as no, a Texan. No. No. Mm-hmm. And, and Texas doesn't claim Austin. So it, it's, it's a well, and I, I, I don't blame them at all. You know. Well, and it's it's similar to the sentiment that I have recently been made aware of that I wasn't aware of, uh, that the American flag is now a Donald Trump flag and is not to be flown unless you support Donald Trump. And I, I was unaware of this. Well, hey, I'm know, kind of unaware of that myself. <laughs> just a second. Right now, sure. with about 85 percent of the vote in in Florida, DeSantis is up 19 points. There you go. I mean, that's go. that's crazy. But isn't Scott the better, more seasoned guy? Uh, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Is that what oh, you... yeah, Chris. What I meant. Sorry. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's weird. The, the former Republican turned Democrat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he was a governor himself. I mean, you would think that. <laughs> but, I mean, that spread is massive. Uh, I, I think they were only. Only they only I mean, they were predicting DeSantis to win, but they had him at like nine and 10 points, not 20. <laughs> you know, guys, I'm old enough to remember when Charlie Crist was a was a um, um, actually I'm about to make a joke, but I decided I don't want to get sued for defamation. So carry on. <laughs> you go on. <laughs> you, you know what he was doing there, guys? He was running through the field of possible comments and the arm of maturity reached back <laughs> and, and grabbed pulled him back by, out the, yes. by the collar, <laughs> right. you know, and, and hauled him back into, I, I don't know. Have you seen Matt's Twitter page? Uh, Matt, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, well, Twitter's a little bit, Facebook, something else. Uh, Travis, you'll love this. You know, next time you run again, um, I have a little thing I put every so often on my Facebook page that says, attention, opposition, researchers, if you thought the future months to come. So say, say what now? This is November. I might put attention, future opposition, researchers. If you think December 2022 was some great <laughs> stuff, wait till you go back and read the stuff I just did in October. You know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, with- you mentioned. You mentioned John Ashcroft earlier. Uh, I got yes, to spend yeah. some time with him actually over in, in France, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, one of the things that he said that was just pretty pretty funny, he said um, the best job he ever had was former Attorney General of the United States. 
<laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Tell you what, he is a character. Um, he is. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, hey, let me, let me tell you all this if you don't mind. So I was, we had a, my, my 3L year, we had a two week class that he taught. And I sat on the front row and, uh, I had had a car wreck a few months earlier and I sat down next to a friend and I was just making a joke. I said, man, I wish I'd brought my neck brace. My neck is hurting. Well, the, the general looked at me and he said, son, this is not torts class. <laughs> and and I says no no your honor no judge general I and I proceeded to go into this story about my wreck and I was about to and he interrupted me and he went on to this long diatribe about how we need to eliminate speed limits and you know the faster people go safer people are accidents are a lot less and I says well general no what happened is I was my wife was driving and a deer ran out in front of us and and, uh, you know, she hit, a tractor trailer hit us and she, he looked at me, he looked me straight in the eye and he says, if your wife had been driving faster, that deer would have been in your rear view mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I you think, can't, I you think can't you got run, a point there. Pull, you can't pull something past John Ashcroft. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. As of right now, Georgia's sitting 55% reporting. Uh, Brian Kemp is at 51.6%. Stacey Abrams, 47.8%. Uh, I'm surprised that that one's that close on the governor's side. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, she's so, going to be in denial for another four more years, apparently. That's right. She's gonna, yeah, but it's not election denial if you're a Democrat. Exactly, exactly. So true or false, if Stacey Abrams loses this evening, she's done in American politics. Ooh, that's an interesting I'd question. Say, I say false. I think she's now she'll be I, head of the, it, of the D triple C. Is she just getting started? Yeah. I don't know. Is I she, mean, is she just getting started on this? On what do you? Oh no! Like, 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 like if if this doesn't work, rather than her be done, is this like the the launch? Like this is the bottom of the hill. There's still more hill to go. I I I would say no because. Once you lose at that level twice, twice, yeah, twice, you know, you're the the saying really is true. You're only as good to your party as as your most recent election. Well, didn't Abraham yeah. Lincoln kind of get beat for a long time at all the races he tried? He did, he did, but he did win some of them along the way. Mm. That's that's he the was a member thing. of Congress for one term. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And also, um, I think he knew the right time to reinvent himself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And when you look at that election from 1860, it's a four way race for president, uh, which by modern standards would be laughable that you would have more than two candidates that were taken seriously. But they were. And also remember, gentlemen, that he did not appear on the ballot in any of the southern states. So with only half of the electoral votes available for his taking, in a four-way race for president, he still won enough to assume the office. Mm. That's just incredible in and of itself. So, you know, and, and what he accomplished in office, you know, it's just, it's nuts. And somebody somebody told me today, they said, Well, he the war of northern aggression. I mean... Well, right, but you know, it's it, you could make the case that it's significantly harder 
to keep a country than to create a country, which is why I think that Abraham Lincoln is is supremely the best president, better than Washington. Washington and his crew, they did a good job. They created a country. And when you look at his cabinet, you know, by comparison, anybody else looks like a pickup team. You know, uh, I mean, just I mean, you've got Thomas Jefferson on your on your staff, Alexander Hamilton. You've got uh, so many guys. And anyway, yeah, I, but I mean, there was there was quite a bit of division there at that point, too. I mean, significant division with with Jefferson, sure. and Hamilton and uh, in particular those two. But Jefferson and Adams, uh, Washington and Jefferson, I mean, uh, there was there was quite a bit of. Con- but am, am I the only one who, who doesn't see. Lincoln as really all as great as history portrays him to be. I mean, he suspended the writ of habeas corpus for crying out loud. Wasn't it an emergency and necessary? <laughs> I think we've been through that just recently, haven't we? <laughs> Did well, we learn I mean, a lesson? The difference, of course, there was there was a bona fide you, you know, insurrection. I mean and I, and we use the word insurrection so loosely when you're talking about the protests at the Capitol. But, I mean, you know, you've got literal blood. I mean, gracious, I have – I live in Tupelo, Mississippi, and, uh, you know, there was a, a Civil War skirmish uh, in, in Tupelo, not a big one. Um, but I right across from my law office is the, the monument. <laughs> I mean, wow. You know, so – so you have this war that goes all over the country, and 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 you know you have um, um, Atlanta being burned, and you have all the bloodshed and all of that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, so, looking so, back, so Sherman. So I, I, I mean, I think by today's standard, Sherman would have been a war criminal. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. I can see that. You know, I was sitting in, in my high school uh, British literature class. We were going around the table and we were just talking about different aspects of our family. And one person said, oh, yeah, my my grandfather, you know, he, he came here from New York and he was an architect. And one person said, you know, yeah, my grandfather, you know, he, uh, you know, was uh, the head of a, you know, manufacturing plant in Kansas City. We get to this one girl and she goes, well, my great grandfather burned down Atlanta. And we said, we said, excuse me. She said, yeah, my great grandfather, he was a general and in the Union Army and he he burned Atlanta. And I stopped her and I said, "Okay, I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Are you supposing us to believe that your great great grandfather was General Sherman? She goes, yeah. Would you like me to bring in my family wow. records? And I'm like, okay, I think you take the cake. You know, there's no need to talk about anybody else's family members. You've won. We're we're not worthy. They just called uh, Texas uh, Abbott for uh, governor. Good. Good, you, good. good. So so this worked. Is that what you're saying? I, it did. It did. You know, I really wanted in my neighborhood. There were a couple, but there were probably two ghetto signs in the in the neighborhood, um, and I really wanted to just add a little bit to them, a little flavor, and just put Californians four over the top of it. Oh um, yeah, and that would have just fit perfect. So, but yeah, so happy to have my uh, Abbott sign out front. So. 
Well, very good. Well, gentlemen, it's been my pleasure to join you for a few yeah. minutes. I hope to do it again with you sometime soon. But good to, um, I, I've got some people upstairs that would, would like to say hello and uh, wish me well on this absolutely. election night. So I've got to get up to them. Gentlemen, take care. Hey, and uh, for Join us, man. Yeah, thank it you. It was my pleasure. Yep. And, and go Red Wave. Hey, Wilson Bye. for stc.com is your website. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And people are welcome to still go on and support the campaign financially because we uh, we ran a great campaign. We we actually incurred a little bit of debt that we need to respond to. How so about that? please, by all means. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Travis. I, I really appreciate Thanks, you coming guys. in. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. Awesome. I did want to take this opportunity since we have a brief moment here. Oh, wait a minute. You're, you're going to tell me about my undies now. I am actually. I actually <laughs> found the best. <laughs> no, we are uh, a non-ad supported podcast. The interview podcast operates on the value for value model, uh, which actually says we put the show out for you. We put the content out for you. If you get any value out of it, you get to decide what that is. And if that value is you just tell more people about it, maybe the value is you turn it off and don't listen again. That's value, negative value. Uh, or if you think it's worth some money, you can send that back to us so we can continue these conversations and, and chats around the world uh, with people doing things that are fascinating. Uh, Theinterviewpodcast.org is where you go. There's a donate button on there. Uh, also, we have recently... Um, updated our feed so we can accept satoshis which is funny it, it's fractions of a bitcoin uh, if you listen to the podcast uh on a new I podcast app recently. some of that what no that was doge <laughs> that's different <laughs> um but if you listen on like the fountain app fountain is a good podcast player uh, you have the opportunity uh and through the cash app as well you can actually send satoshis and, and bitcoin to people so uh if you get value out of this show uh anything is is very uh helpful and appreciated uh the interview org is where you go to do that click on the donate today button uh also just tell more people about it that really is a great way to help support the show so all right where are we at so I was looking at. Uh, I'm in Texas. But we are Matt, absolutely yes. Matt, are you in? Are you in Mississippi? Or are you in Tennessee? <laughs> I am in Mississippi. Also, I'm in the I'm in the northeast of South Dakota. If you look at a map, if you if you're looking at the map today, uh, Minnesota tries to jut its way into South Dakota up at the top. We're right at the bottom of what they call the Minnesota bump. So that's where I'm located. Fabulous. I am in the birth at well. I'm in the town where Elvis Presley was born. Wow. Well, <laughs> That's fascinating. You know, <laughs> on another note, speaking of Democrat-run cities, um, I, I've spent quite a bit of time in Memphis over the last two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that place is a dump, and it, it gets worse every time I go back there. Mm-hmm, it's horrible. Yeah. And, of course, you know you what happened to that poor woman who was jogging at Memphis I mean, University of Memphis. I'm old enough. I still call it Memphis State. And um, – <laughs> And that was that just and then you had the guy who barely a week later was terrorizing the, the town. Now I'll give the the police credit, I'll give the the folks who were, you know, trying to enforce the laws credit. They they were doing what they needed to do in in pursuing that fella. Um but I think we've just gotten into this mindset where I mean 
you know, a lot of people were saying, gosh, that woman shouldn't have been jogging at 4.30 in the morning, okay? But then you start to think, why in the hell must you govern when and where you jog based upon, right. you know, I mean, is, is this a timeshare or something? Criminals? Okay, we'll let you have. Right. Yeah, we'll, this is we'll your let window. You come out and, right. and, 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 you know, One of the perpetrate things... mm-hmm. harm on people at, at this particular hour of the night or the day, but after that, it's my turn. You yeah. Know? I mean, right. Well, one of the things that, that, that the Democrat-run city there, they won't allow uh, people who live, uh, you know, Memphis sets right there, right in the corner, right next to Arkansas and right next to uh, to Mississippi. And mm-hmm. if you live in Mississippi, you cannot be on the Memphis police port, uh, force. If you live in Arkansas, you can't be on the Memphis police force. And so they, they, they don't have enough qualified people on that police force, but they deliberately screen out people who are willing to, to serve in that capacity. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, there is a, a interstate 40 runs from a little rock all the way through Memphis through Nashville. Yep. And um, there is a, a road which runs parallel to the interstate called the Sam Cooper Parkway. And and that goes right into downtown. And I have heard stories of folks used to when they would drive down that, you know, it's like be careful you don't want to get shot at while you're driving. Wow. <laughs> I mean, now that may be some exaggeration. So is that is that the bridge that's just north of forty uh crossing the Mississippi? No, 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 no. I'm talking about an actual road that that if you're coming from downtown Memphis and you're going yeah. in the direction of of Nashville, you're, it's it's oh, a you're city going, street, but gotcha. it's, it's an going, expressway. Not Nashville, yeah. not Arkansas. Okay. But but that expressway is due south of Interstate 40, and then it inter, it, it intersects with uh, one of the other interstates, and you get back on to 40. So, but yeah, it's it's a it's a t- now my my wife her family. Um, well, I say her family is from there. They live there. They live in the in an adjacent county in Fayette County, which is due east of, um, of Memphis. But they grew up in my wife grew up in a suburb of Memphis, and um, you know, it's it's just at one time Memphis was a just a glorious place. I mean, think about it. If you were to go down to um, where Graceland is, you know, 50 years ago when Elvis bought Graceland, it was, I mean, it was the nicest part of town. It was, uh, I mean, my heavens, he bought a mansion there, or at least what was thought of as a mansion back then, and um, had a whole bunch of land with it. And now that whole area there has become dilapidated. Oh, it's, it's really yeah. rough. I uh, I actually spent uh, a good bit of time there. Some of the Some of the jobs that I do are right there in that area, so I've stayed at the the holiday inn just uh, about uh, I don't know, half a mile up the street there um and it is it, <laughs> it is an absolute ghetto there i mean that's that's the only bright spot in that whole area and that's because it's walled off and and protected right so mm-hmm. the rest of it is is just i mean the restaurants are filthy the cars are on jacks so the cars that are running are are multi-tone colors and colors and, and uh, you know, usually the fenders are falling off. It's just, 
literally I was eating at a, at a barbecue place there and the cops came in while I was having dinner there. Someone was out in the parking lot stealing catalytic converters <laughs> while people were eating dinner. That was, and that was, that was almost right across the street from Graceland. Mm. And, and every time I go there, it just gets a little worse. So I, yeah, uh, I, I was I actually imagine what Chicago's like. I was actually, um, warned by a client of mine back before I went to the chiefs game in Kansas city that, uh, the last time they were there, uh, there was, they, I, th- I think they got their catalytic converter removed in the parking lot as they were in the game. Fabulous. Yeah. So I'm just uh, scrolling the Instagrams to see what the uh, the political parties have to say so far. Um, I also thought it was fascinating that Governor Tim Walls in Minnesota um, skipped out on the Minnesota Public Radio gubernatorial debate that they have. It's, I think they said it's the Friday before every election. I think he's the first one to not do that. So that seems to be the the mo for for uh, Democrats right now. That uh, we'll just skip the the debates. Uh-huh. We won't put ourselves out there, and we'll just let the media carry our water. Yeah. Hey, we have a uh, live from I'm going to say the Far East, the West, Alaska. Uh, Jeremy Bynum has jumped back in. Uh, you're muted, it looks like, but uh, there yeah, you go. Excellent. How uh, it's dark now. Last time we saw you, it was still light out. Oh, yeah, yeah. The sun has set and the chill has come on a little bit stronger than it has been. <laughs> so been you've been waving signs all day, right? All day long. We got out here at 740, 7.45 this morning and uh, been out here waving signs all day. Groups of people coming in, helping out. Have uh, my campaign running. Uh, Murkowski, uh, Senator Murkowski's campaign folks are over here waving signs next to us. So it's been a... A fun event all day long. Even uh, my competitor across the street, we've been getting along really well. Tossing some barbs every now and then? (laughs) Um, Hey. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, what's your your website? My website? Yeah. Yeah, it's a votebynum.com. Vote, B-Y-N-U-M.com. That's the one. All right. Hey, you got you got any predictions for us on the uh, the races up up the ticket from you uh, there in uh, Alaska? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, top of our tickets, our governor's race. Uh, Mike Dunleavy is our current governor, and I suspect that based on some of the um, some of the polling I've seen uh, throughout the campaign, that Dunleavy will be reelected. We have ranked choice voting here in Alaska now. And so, uh, obviously, if you don't get the 50% plus one on the uh, first round, then it goes to the second round, third round. Yeah, but I suspect that uh, Governor Dunleavy will likely win uh, in the first round with more than 50% of the vote, um, if not within with the second round, for sure. So, can you, in an elevator length of time, tell me how, like, break down the ranked choice voting system? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Huh? Go ahead. <laughs> well, I guess the best way I can describe it is is that when you get your ballot, um, well, first of all, you got to go to the primary. So we used to have closed primaries where you'd you'd select your Republican candidate, 
uh, your select your Republican candidates would compete against each other, and you'd have your top Republican candidate. They would go into the uh, general election. Mm-hmm. Same thing, Democrat, uh, Democrats, or or uh, other parties. Uh, now that's all gone with ranked choice voting. Now it's uh, basically uh, anyone can jump in on a primary. Uh, as an example, in our congressional seat here, we had a fifty. We had uh, 57 or so candidates, top four advanced to the uh, general election. So you just pick your one choice. Uh, top four vote getters goes to the general election. And then in the general election, what happens is that you'll get your ballot and you rank the top four. Mm-hmm. So you'll rank your, your best choice. Whoever you want to win, you rank them one. And then you rank who you think would be the second best and so on and so forth. Uh, that's the... the the functioning of how it goes, but if you don't, when, when the voting actually begins and then they go to count the tallies, if you don't get 50% plus one, then what they'll do is they throw out the bottom vote getter and that vote, bottom vote getter's second place votes will be redistributed. Okay. And then they look and see if somebody's gotten that 50 plus one. And if not, you float, throw out third place and so, do the same thing. So you vote for, like you rank whoever's on the ballot. Right. Okay. Um, so, for example, in our uh, governor's race, it would be uh, Dunleavy. We have uh, a gentleman by the name of Walker. And then uh, Chessborough is the Democrat that's running. And uh, then we also have uh, Charlie Pierce. Hmm. I'm sorry, Gira, Gira. No, in the, uh, I'm talking about the governor's race. Uh, Gira, okay. Who did I say? Oh, that's the Senate race. I'm sorry. Thank you. It's been a long day. <laughs> Uh, Agira is the oh. governor Democrat uh, running in the governor's race, and uh, so Jeremy, you guys had some problems with that earlier, earlier in one of your primaries, right? Where uh, a lot of a lot of voters didn't choose a second or third choice, right? Correct. In the special election, when uh, our our longtime congressman Don Young uh, passed away um, unexpectedly, his seat went up for special election. And in that special election, there were four people um, selected to go forward, but then somebody withdrew. So there were basically three choices. And what ended up happening is the two Republicans running, Sarah Palin and Nick Baggage, they both received just about 30 percent of the vote. Mary Patola received about 40 percent. And then um, after the second round, Nick Baggage uh, we just got slightly fewer votes than Sarah Palin, and he was tossed out. But what ended up happening is most of the, um, about half of the voters that voted for Nick uh, bullet voted. So they didn't vote for a second place. The other quarter of his voters refused to vote for Sarah Palin, and they um, they voted for uh, Mary Patola, the Democrat. And the other quarter did vote for uh, Sarah Palin. So what ended up happening is Mary Patola actually won the race uh, by a few percentage points because of that. Hmm. So that's kind of what happened. There's a lot of people that just didn't rank. Half of the people that voted for Nick did not rank in that race. So, so has has the Republican Party in that area have they have they kind of tried to get the word out to uh, to pick that second choice? Yeah, I mean, there's been a big big hard push right now to say. Rank the red, rank the red, rank the red if you're a Republican. Um, if you're not a Republican, then they're saying uh, rank your best choices, right? Um, so there's been a hard push on that. In all of all of the races that we have, 
there's really only uh, one race, in my opinion, that the ranking is actually going to play a role, and that is in that um, congressional race. I think in the, um, I think in the, um, for Republicans anyway, in the governor's race, uh, most Republicans are likely going to vote for Dunleavy, and um, and it's going to be between Dunleavy and Walker, who's, um, I guess he's partnered up with the Democrats right now. Uh, in that race, but not 100% sure how that's going to pan out. But uh, but I think that it's going to be you to pick one. It's not going to matter who your second choice is if you voted for uh, Mike Dunleavy in that race. And I think in our Senate race, um, our Senate race is going to come down between uh, our sitting Senator um, Lisa Murkowski and uh, Kelly Chewbacca. Um, I suspect that I would predict in that race that uh, Senator Murkowski will probably be reelected. Um, Is that just name recognition? No, I think she has broad-based support in the yeah. state. Um, I think that um, that she'll have. Yeah, it, it'll probably go to a, a second round. I don't think there'll be a fifty-plus one in the first round, but she she has a probably more broad support overall. So but, uh, practically, how does that work? So if no one gets fifty percent. What what's the logistics of how that goes down? Nobody gets fifty percent. The fourth place finisher gets knocked out, and their second place votes get redistributed. And then you redo the calculation to see if somebody of the remaining votes has mm. received fifty percent plus one. Okay. If not, third place gets knocked out. Their votes get redistributed, and then the top two are picked. And then, of course, somebody then has to have fifty percent. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this just a way to keep uh, popular candidates? from getting elected? Um, yeah, I couldn't begin to speculate why. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, a good idea. I think that the, for, I always kind of described it this way. From an engineering perspective, it's a perfect solution, but uh, not everybody's an engineer. So <laughs> uh, quite complicated uh, for, the I think, the average voter to really understand what the consequences of it are of it is. Yeah. Uh, the ability for them to effectively make it work. Mm -hmm. So I think so, most voters I've talked to aren't really uh, happy with voting. So. You say most of them are or aren't? Are not. Are, are not. not. They would like to see it repealed. Gotcha. So you guys actually voted on that as, as the state. So you, you guys actually uh, made that choice, correct? Correct. We did. But what happened is when that Basically, when that was put together, uh, that initiative was put together, it was combined with uh, with what was considered a, a transparent elections, right? And so what ended up happening is, is you had these two items that were merged together, ranked choice voting and transparent elections for campaign funding. So what ended up happening is, is it passed by about 1%, 50 it might have been a, it won by one percent over the, the the no vote, so it's like fifty one percent to forty nine. Do you think. think you'll see that on your uh, your ballot again? Uh, what I'd like to see is that we won't see it on the ballot again. The legislature the, the legislature will bring it up after two years. The legislature can uh, repeal it. So I suspect that the the legislature will repeal it only because trying to bring it back as a ballot initiative. Um, will take additional time it'll take a lot of money to try to get it through and then you've got a two year, like basically a two-year hold period so it wouldn't be a 
likely wouldn't be repealed for the 24 election, which is going to be a presidential year for us. Mm. So I, I think we would be, um, I think to see the legislature in the next year uh, try to remove it. So does that, uh, does that rank choice voting, does that apply for your, your presidential votes as well at this point? Yeah, it would be across the board. Just one standby. Thank you very much. That would be crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, across the board, that's it. We would apply it to all of our all of our races uh, that are not not local races. Hmm. So yeah, our presidential race would apply. Wow. <clears throat> well, how long? How, what? How long before your polls close there in Alaska? Well, it's about 5:40, so we got it until 8 o'clock. So we got a, about another what, uh, two and a half, two hours and 20 minutes, 21 Eight? minutes. So, so then, according to the to the leftists, you you should know about your elections by, uh, you know, maybe Friday next year. Friday, right? <laughs> well, actually, you know, for us, it's going to be really interesting. In our race, we there's only one opponent. Uh, I only have one opponent in my race, so it's not a, a, a really going to be a ranked choice issue. Um, it's you're going to pick me or you're going to pick my opponent, Dan Ortez. And what's going to happen is um, we're going to probably likely have a really good indication uh, by tomorrow of, of who's going to win this race. Um, we've been following uh, absentee, and we've also been following early, early voting pretty closely. And uh, based on the numbers they're seeing, we're seeing uh, pretty high numbers of uh of the share of absentee ballots are actually Republican ballots. And uh, that would favor us. Hmm. So 40% actually. We saw a uh, about a almost a 40% reduction in the request for absentee ballots this year. In our district, we only had a 1,067 absentees. We usually see um, between 1,500 and 2,000. Wow, so I, that's, that's a little different than kind of the than what we're seeing nationally yeah it's a pretty i think this election it's been a it's really it's it's pushing against the norm so you typically see that uh you'll get a higher amount for democrats and or democrat leaning votes in an absentee scenario uh but for some reason the democratic party here in alaska didn't seem to push the absentee ballots that hard um but we had a strategy to to uh really deal with that in our race we did a chase uh on all the absentee ballots we sent a uh, letters and uh postcards to uh every likely republican or leaning republican voter uh in our race um in both the general uh, primary and the general election so we sent out uh, just over 900 letters to the absentee uh voters and we got of all of them that were outstanding, we uh, we only as of Friday there was only 87 outstanding ballots. So we're going to see a really good return on absentees for us, I believe. Very nice. That's cool. Hey guys, just to let y'all know, Walker is leading Warnock in Georgia by one tenth of a percent right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that that'll be interesting to see how those those numbers shake out. Uh, I know they were heavily in favor of, of Warnock early, so um, that that will be interesting. And I think they, they've already called that for the governor, correct? They have. Well, Fox News hasn't, but I don't think, but others have. Yeah, it, um, it's, so it, it's it not is officially. Interesting. It yeah, is it's... interesting to me, uh, just 
from a philosophical point, how how does one vote for uh, Kemp and then vote for Warnock? How, how does that even happen? Well, I think it, a lot of it sometimes is a function of state government versus federal government. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, when I lived in, or rather three years ago, when we had our governor's race here. Um, Gentlemen, I'm going to step off for just a second. I'm going to mute the mic. I'll be right Sounds good. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Um, when we had our governor's race here in Mississippi uh, three years ago, uh, the um, guy running for governor on the Democrat side was a fellow named Jim Hood, who um, I used to work for. Uh, and he was a very uh, popular attorney general. Um, but... Um, you know, he, he, he lost to the Republican and, and it certainly helped that President Trump came to campaign for the, the lieutenant governor, now the governor, Tate Reeves. But in that dichotomy, there were a lot of folks who might have voted a Republican, voted for Trump, but because all politics is local and we're dealing with a local race, which essentially the governor's race is, they might have voted for Jim over Tate because they just like Jim better. Okay. So I think yeah but who could actually know, like Warnock? I mean well you're flipping it around what I'm saying is is that his wife you know <laughs> I, I when, don't think she even likes him <laughs> when when you're dealing with a nationalized race like uh, a, a Senate race or a house race or obviously a presidential race then then you're going to have a lot more um, you know, likelihood that the guy who's, you know, say if Trump were on the ballot or a Republican were on the ballot right now for president, you know, you're, you're going to see a strong correlation between the votes for president and the votes for Congress and the votes for Senate just because, you know, we, we vote as a party when it comes to national issues. But when you're dealing with uh, state issues, um, you know, you, you may look more closely at the, the particular person you're voting for and and you know the fact that he was your secretary of state before he was your state representative at some point before so i i don't think you can always nationalize a governor's race is what i'm saying um and that may be why there's a difference between the two so you could have had in this case some democrats who decided to go ahead and vote for kemp because they didn't want to you know they actually liked him better and thought he was doing a good job with how they were, you know, the situation in there, but still want to have liberal national policies that support President Biden. So that's an interesting thought because, you know, I've had talks with uh, local politicians in South Dakota and, you know, some uh, across all parties because I want to hear all of their um, voices and, you know, I hear a lot from the Democrats that, oh, we're a South Dakota Democrat. And what they mean by that is we're basically Republican, but we don't want to be Republican, so we're Democrat. Uh, the challenge in that, though, is the National Democrat Party, and I think the Republicans are the same way, the GOP, when they see a local race flip specifically, like if it goes from red to blue or blue to red, they take that as confirmation that our national platform is good and so and that was one of the questions i had with one of the the local south dakota democrats was you you know because because she pushed didn't like 
half of the the national policies that the Democrat Party nationally um, holds. And I asked her, I said, how do you separate yourself then? Because all they see, they don't care about you. All they see is another blue check that we can put and add to our base of of uh, support. Like, yep, we're doing yeah. the right thing. So, well, it, so it, it may not be elected locally, but the the national parties certainly look at it nationally, don't they? Well, they do. But I'll give you another thing. Um, in in Mississippi, let's go back twenty five years ago. Okay, it, that was still a time in Mississippi where if you wanted to elect your local sheriff or you wanted to you know really determine who's going to be your chancery clerk or your circuit clerk at the county level you had to vote in the democratic primary because all the candidates were running locally in the democratic mm-hmm. primary because mm-hmm. they had that you know you had the name recognition and all that kind of stuff yeah so we you know at a national level our democratic leaders in Mississippi have always been fairly conservative. John Stennis, he was senator from, I want to say, 1947 to 1989. Uh, Trent Lott replaced him when he retired. But Senator Stennis, I mean, he was the one, even though he was a Democrat, he was the chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee, and he was a chair of the Appropriations Committee. He was the single most powerful senator in Washington, and he gave Ronald Reagan his ship, his uh, 600-ship Navy. Hmm. Okay, because we were very conservative. Um, And so I say that to say that there, you know, it wasn't only until about 20, 25 years ago in Mississippi that, uh, you know, you started to see Republicans having having, uh, uh, you know, gains in local and statewide races. In fact, this is the first time. I think ever that we have had no Democrats in statewide elected office in Mississippi. Wow. Um, I mean, the, I think the closest thing that we have to a statewide elected official, and he's only covering one one or two districts. I mean, mm-hmm. one district would be like a transportation commission or a public service commission or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, the Democratic Party in Mississippi has lost its organization. It does not have what it used to have. Mm. So, so that validates what you're saying. It is, it's a, you know, eventually the local stuff over many years will start to trend along what the national stuff is doing. Right. Okay. Um, but there's still some lag time. And, and so, you know, you're going to see people who, might um, be straight line party line Republicans who are going to vote for Trump and mm-hmm. vote for everybody who is on the ballot of the, you know, for for uh, a Senate and for House of Representatives because they want the president's agenda done. But at the same time, you know, they may vote for Democrats and everything else just yeah. because that's what they've always done. Hey, um, let me. Uh, Jen Psaki is on the. Uh... Talking about the president an running. Announcement by Donald Trump forced the president's hand. Make him call. Make the call sooner rather than later. 
You know, Lester, I think it will definitely have a, be a factor uh, because Donald Trump getting in the race uh, will mean that the president will feel like uh, he's the only one who's beaten him before, uh, which is true. Uh, and he's probably going to want to take him on Why again. Why did she have to say uh, which is true? He's clear that he wants to run again. He's got to make that decision with his family. And I expect he's going to do know, that uh, sooner rather than later. different when she's knows, made up for uh, TV. Other Democrats are, of I mean, course, really? going to get in the race. Yeah. I was going to ask you that, Jen, what the timeline is. I mean, obviously, it's a personal decision, a weighty decision. The president is looking at it. But he also, if he is not going to run, wants to uh, leave a lot of running room for other Democratic candidates who might want to get in. What's the general timeline? You know, I think, Savannah, he knows that the stakes are very high, especially if President, if former President Trump gets in the race. Uh, and I think so what, what they are talking about just before I jumped in here, they had a poll uh, showing 64 percent of people polled, whoever they were, said they did not want Biden to run again. I did see a poll on uh, today. Um, Michael Malice actually posted it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if given the choice between DeSantis and Trump, uh, it was about sixty to thirty uh, in favor of DeSantis. Oh, really? Well, I saw. I, I, I looked at Drudge this afternoon. Um, I, what? Are, yeah, we got to talk about that. But go ahead. And um, it is. Trump threatens DeSantis saying he has dirt on him. <laughs> what, well, <laughs> what? I, I have to ask the question. I'm not sure what happened to the Drudge Report. I know there was there was some rumors that maybe it had gotten sold, but it, it definitely went left after Trump. So I don't know if, um, if Drudge was one of those that suffered from, from the— Drudge despises uh, Trump. Oh yes, very much yeah, so. Could, yeah. But but didn't he kind of but, I mean, relinquish like, control at some level? I don't know. I, I haven't don't followed the Drudge Report in years. Hmm. Um, so I mean, what is it with these guys? Like, uh, who's the guy that does? Uh, is it town? Not town hall. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Federalist. Uh, I don't think. Are you thinking about Dominique or whatever his name is? Uh. No, no, no. Uh, one of one of the guys that was a pretty pretty staunch Republican, uh, and just after Trump, just kind of t- made a left turn. Um, Bill Crystal. <laughs> yes, yes, Bill Crystal. Yes. Oh yeah. Like, what, what the heck happened? Like, yeah. okay, look, I can get I can get that people are like, hey, I don't like Trump. I don't like the way he handles himself. I don't, you know, he has no self control, whatever. But how do you turn left because of that? Well, I think that he, doesn't make sense to me. I think he might have been a neocon to begin with. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and and they're all pro-war, and so if you do anything anti-war, that's not okay, no matter the party. Uh, David McKenzie uh, on Facebook said uh, voter turnout You're was heavy like in rural Tennessee. So uh, that's yeah. uh, now okay. Is is that in, is that a new thing that we would have? Like big turnout, heavy turnout, uh, in a midterm like this. I, I think I think I think there's two factors there. I think I think Republicans are motivated to go out and vote right now, which increases the that number. But I mean, Democrats. But Democrats are, are, are too, really, aren't they? Yeah, but they're really pushing those 
those mail-in ballots, the early voting, mm-hmm. the, the, the no information voter, not low information, no information voters that they're basically, you know, marking the ballots for and bringing them in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's problematic. Did you say problematic? I mean, look at, look at, look at what I did. Is that, is, is that a is that a is that a bad word? It's a, on prob- this? It's a problematic word. <laughs> it, it's a buzzword. Hold on a second. Let's jump back into uh, NBC News here, real quick. Exit so all across the country, this is the question: Who do you trust more to handle inflation? Fifty-two percent said the Republican Party. Forty-four percent said the Democratic Party on the issue of crime. This was the other big one for Republicans. Not a surprise here. Fifty-one percent of voters said they trust the Republican Party to handle the issue of crime versus forty-four percent for the Democrats. Let's talk about now the issues that the Democrats wanted to run on. The question was the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is so important, guys. Right now, if you if you add up dissatisfied so and angry, you get more than you get about sixty percent of voters here. So clearly, this was on the minds of voters. And we're but not near what not near to the second. extent they and thought also, it was. The other question: democracy in the U.S. today. This one was fascinating, guys. Remember, Democrats no. ran on this. Well, they want to they want to talk about everything except for what's actually happening right now. It affected voters in both parties. I mentioned abortion. I want to go to Texas. Look how interesting this is. And again, it's still early in the night. We always want to kind of preface that. But the two top issues in Texas, 28% inflation, 27% in abortion. All right, Andrew, so, you're on boots on the ground in Texas. Is that right? becoming purple at some point. Still, You know, it's interesting because where I'm at, <laughs> the way my district is drawn here is very interesting. I'm actually in a conservative portion of it but a border on a very liberal portion of it. So we have two, two very big colleges right here, Texas Women's College and um, uh, North University. Texas. Texas Women's U, okay. Yeah, okay. I was yeah. just there, right? I saw the branding. <laughs> and, and North Texas is the other one. So they, they tend to lean pretty, pretty hard left. So the, the surrounding area is pretty left. Um, but I would say just in general – uh, most of the population here is pretty conservative. And I think, uh, from at least from my perspective, a lot of the people that have moved in here over the last few years are pretty conservative as well. Yeah. And I think what the, those polls fail to pick up on is abortion is also a two-edged sword in the sense that there are a lot of conservatives who are motivated, empowered by the fact that Roe versus Wade is gone, and they feel like they've you know, everything they've prayed for for the last 50 years, everything they've campaigned for. I mean, let's face it. How many times do you remember growing up hearing, getting fundraising letters from Republicans promising that we need to do this, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. So you give them a little bit of money and then they don't do a blasted thing. And it just re- repeats the cycle, repeats the cycle, repeats the cycle. Then you get somebody like Donald Trump, who's elected president, actually you know, points three Supreme Court justices that fixes the thing that you've been actively campaigning for for the last several years. And now you realize, hey, we actually have more control than we think we do. But um, didn't right. But didn't that throw a wrench in the plan? Because, I mean, the the left, they have had opportunity to codify Roe multiple times and they've never done it because it's a great campaign issue. Well, now mm-hmm. it's no longer that. And they thought, and see, I think this was their their failure in planning, is they jumped the gun in pushing this out as a uh, a voter election issue. Because mm-hmm. you do it in the, in the summer. Sorry, people are going to forget. 
And then when your gas prices go through the roof and the cost of milk goes up like nuts, we're going to forget about that. So they dropped yeah. the ball. And the Republicans, though, have done the same thing. Like, that was such an issue. We need to, you know, overturn Roe. That's what we're going to do. And so for decades, they've campaigned on that. Well, now both parties lost that as a campaign issue. Yeah. And here's another thing, and this kind of segues into what the uh, the MSNBC people were talking with Jen Psaki just a minute ago. They were talking about whether President Biden is going to run for re-election. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine a scenario. Imagine a scenario where the Democrats get a clear majority in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Okay. And therefore, Kamala Harris's vote as vice president is no longer important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, after January 20th, if President Biden decides to resign, you know what? I don't feel like I'm able to do this. Or if he says, you know, uh, uh, my my neurological issues dating back to my brain surgeries and the brain cancer has come back. I I don't or whatever. I Wait, he said I they mean, took the top of his skull off twice. <laughs> well, they did. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, Sorry, he, carry on. you know, he's not <laughs> he's not fibbing about that. He had a, yeah. a major cerebral. I mean, he had a that's no uh, joke. Brain aneurysm in 1987 or 88 that almost killed him. And that's no joke. Um, so what I'm getting at is. Mm-hmm. Biden would have the perfect excuse to go 25th Amendment unilaterally or, or just flat out resign, giving Kamala the reins of power. Now, if she, he did that after January 20th and, you know, that number one would empower her as an incumbent to seek election in her own right. But number two, because she would be finishing the last two years of Biden's presidency, mm-hmm. OK, she would not be penalized under the um, the the uh, 22nd amendment i believe i have to wonder though i mean do the democrats really want her to be in the driver's seat for re-election in in uh, 20 well, not necessarily but at I mean, the end of the day she's this pretty would unpopular be unpopular candidate true true but at the end of the day it would be you know biden's decision unilaterally because it would be determined whether he resigns or not now imagine however though that it still remains a 50 50 tie um you know uh, then, then what would happen then if the president did resign or he went all Twenty Fifth Amendment on something? Well, guess what? You wouldn't have a vice president anymore. And if you don't have a vice president, then you don't have a tiebreaker. And we've gone. Th- there is precedence in history where we've gone without having a vice president. So, so are you thinking that if because the Senate's so close, he can't resign? That's right. Because then they lose resign. all all power in the Senate. Wouldn't wouldn't uh, yeah, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't she be able to just just appoint uh, a VP? Well, yeah, but the problem is you've got to have a majority of both the House and the Senate to back the person. And if you have a 50-50 tie in the Senate and you don't have a vice president to vote for <laughs> right, the replacement, no yeah. you're not going to have a vice president. <laughs> And then under the Presidential uh, Succession yeah, Act, who's Romney going to be in would be happy to vote with the Romney would be happy to vote with the Democrats on that. But I mean, but <laughs> bear with me. But imagine, though, if, if let's say you – okay, you did have a, that, but you had you know, uh, the Senate you – know, let's say Herschel Walker wins, and you have um, uh, you know, the, 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 the guy in uh, Nevada, Nevada wins. Or you, know, you, you actually have a red wave in the Senate that gives about a one or two you know, vote spread. 
I mean, with the with the the moderate liberals in the uh, party, you know, you might still need to have a VP there for policy purposes in the event that you have a tie, but you're not going to have a uh, enough of a of a of a base in the Senate to confirm a vice president who is going to be as as leftist as you are, as as Kamala would be in that circumstance. And 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 so if you because think about it in 1964 we didn't even have a vice president after after Kennedy was shot you know Johnson there was no uh, 25th amendment so there was no vice president so the speaker of the house would have been you know the guy to take over if anything happened to him so in this particular circumstance if if you had a situation where Biden God forbid died or if he resigned because he wanted to give Kamala a head start. Unless the Democrats had a solid footing in the Senate, that would jeopardize his ability to, you know, that would put that would put Kamala in a position where if anything happened to her, or if she got impeached or removed, then you would have Kevin McCarthy because the Republicans are going to win the House tonight. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Well, and it looks so uh, just looking at some of these other elections that are the numbers coming in with 61% reporting uh, JD Vance has a has a pretty substantial lead on on Tim oh Ryan in Ohio uh, about uh, 6 7 points um, North Carolina uh, bud is up uh, 3 points and Georgia is is running a close one here with uh, Herschel Walker up by about a point um, yeah so i mean those are all uh, Really now the one that's the one that's uh, not looking as as good as the uh, the Pennsylvania race, but uh, only thirty seven percent reporting uh, with Oz down about five points in that one currently. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Let's talk about Pennsylvania for a second. What mm-hmm. I mean is it just power that would cause the Democrats to continue to keep Fetterman out there because. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch that he campaign. He stands on fracking, okay? <laughs> right, right. I, but but I mean, th- just at from the the humanity level, that was embarrassing. It was, and, and I, it continues to be. I, well, right now, let me see what I just they're showing. There's about Fetterman's leading. He's fifty point nine to forty six point seven, but there's only a third of the you know ballots yeah. in. Yep. Um, and I'm sure most of them are probably coming in from Philadelphia or Pittsburgh anyway. But point being, I, I think it's the old saying, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Okay. Um, you know, Fetterman, let's say, let's say he, 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 you know, does get elected. And then let's say he, he can't handle the job because of bad health. Mm-hmm. Okay. He resigns. Well, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? The Democratic governor is going to appoint a Democratic replacement. Yeah. Okay. So, from the standpoint of of the the National Democratic Party, you know, he was a viable candidate because he had been elected to statewide office, and you know, he had the the system, he had the networks, he had the connections in place, um, and you know, all we have to do is, I mean, hell, if President Biden can run a campaign from his basement. Fetterman could have as well. 
<laughs> Nobody know anything about his stroke. Yeah. I mean, the media was giving him a pass up there until mm-hmm. the national boys came in and started pressing stuff. Right. So I think they're playing. This was the the classic political equivalent of a prevent defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, all right, we've got a huge lead with this fella. Let's run him. Uh, and then he gets sworn in and, you know, maybe a day or two later he resigns or uh, we, you know, and, and then the governor appoints his wife or somebody to take his place. So, I mean, I, I, I think I think that was their mentality on that. And and they fell for the the trap of needing to do a debate and then mm-hmm. the interviews. And, and then more importantly, the overreaction by his wife and others to how he was treated during the interviews, I think, is just as appalling. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, let's, let's flip it around just for a second. You were asking earlier about Sarah. She, uh, about a month or two ago, discovered that she had thyroid cancer. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she went and, I mean, really without, you know, telling anybody, went and got her thyroid removed. Mm-hmm. But then the next week, you know, she was disclosed that to everybody and said, hey, listen, my thyroid's gone. We're you know, I'm having a little bit of treatments just to make sure that, you know, there's no spreading or anything like that. But I have a strong prognosis and she's not really hiding anything. OK. And that's not something that's going to impact her ability to be governor. But when you've had a massive stroke that impedes your ability to speak. Yeah. And your ability to uh, say things. Look, I have compassion for anybody who's had a stroke. My mother had a stroke on New Year's Eve, and then yeah. she passed away in April mm-hmm. as a result of that. Um, but after she suffered her stroke, you know, there would be times that I would, uh, you know, she would want to have like a Coke or something to drink because, you know, she'd had a stroke. We were concerned about swallowing. The nurses wouldn't let her have it. Mm-hmm. And I would have to explain that to her. And then my mother would you know, say, okay, Matt, that's fine. And then three minutes later said, I'll pay you $20 for a Coca-Cola. <laughs> right. And it's like, and, and so, so a, a, a stroke patient, a stroke victim, mm-hmm. it, it, it impacts them and they, they are a lot more susceptible to being manipulated. Think about president Wilson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, are we, it, sure, are we sure we don't have the same thing right now? <laughs> well, I mean, we might have something like that. I mean, no disrespect for Mr. Biden, but I mean, you know, nobody saw President Wilson pretty much after he had a stroke. And, you know, people would come see Miss Edith Wilson, sit down with her. Of course, back in those days, you could get an appointment with the president himself, you know. Uh, well, so you'd go have a meeting with the first lady. You, you've seen the movie, um, oh, uh, The Birdman of Alcatraz. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Are you not familiar with that one, Andrew? Uh, you know, I've seen it, but it's been forever ago. Basically, the story goes, it's it's a true story about a guy who uh, was uh, in a federal prison. He got into a fight with a guard, killed the guard. He was sentenced to death. And uh, his mother went to see Edith Wilson, and she convinced the president to commute his sentence to life in prison. So he was given a life sentence in solitary confinement. And the whole story goes is while he was in solitary confinement, he started to observe birds and and from his observations, he figured out some things that essentially saved the entire chicken crop one year, the entire <laughs> United States. Hence the reason he's called the Birdman of Alcatraz. But that was because Edith Wilson pretty much pardoned him. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think the powers that be 
think, okay, a manipula a, a person who can be manipulated due to bad health or something like that, you know, is, is no harm. He just has to go and vote the way we tell him to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he doesn't do that, you know, then he can resign and we can put somebody else in there. Okay. So I think that's their, that's their mentality. And, uh, you know, Dr. Oz called their bluff. So, so now, then he's it, still behind. Right. So then it does fall back to just a, a need for power. Yeah. Yeah, it is a simple reduction. And so um, is it just, so unfortunately Fetterman's a puppet. He's just, a, he's a tool, a necessary tool. He, he is a puppet, but he's certainly a puppet that you don't want to sit on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, he's, so he's no dummy. Let's I say mean, that. Well, I mean, I mean, the neck, just turning the neck, you know, would be an issue. I mean, goodness gracious sakes alive. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, South Dakota, apparently I've, I, a friend of mine watching uh, said CNN has called South Dakota for Christy Nome. Uh, yeah, I saw that. But reporting is still um, 16% well, reporting, so not yeah, much. 16%. Yeah, 61.5% for her. Now, here, here's the, the, uh, the feel from the state. Uh, no chance she loses. Really, uh, should be close was kind of the th- the theory, because um, sh- she has appeared, and the the left has done an okay job of you know, the Democrats have done an okay job of painting her as a uh, a wannabe national candidate, and so they've you know she's she's been traveling, she does all these out of state events, and I'm Jamie Smith, and I'm the guy that's in the state, and I'm going to put South Dakota first. They all say whatever they need to say. I get that. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of sentiment against her because of that, uh, because she worked so closely with Trump uh, to get um, fireworks at Rushmore. Like, that was a big deal. And this year, I think this year, well, both both years so far with Biden, um, the, the Biden administration has blocked their fireworks at Rushmore and how dare they do that to us because we want fireworks at Rushmore. Uh, it's, it's how what the, the Nome camp has put out there. Um, I anticipate that to be a pretty tight race in the end. Uh, I really don't see how she loses though, unless she just totally screwed up. Um, I had her on the interview back in June, I think. Um, and you know, she campaign mode, that's what she was doing. And I think she's become a, a politician, just like they all do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thought does stand out. When you think of Nome and and you think of Trump, and we all know there's – I would I would probably, you know, give minus 130 on the money line that Trump is going to run for president, okay? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, he's <laughs> – I think it's a given. Um, Trump – as a practical matter, cannot pick DeSantis to be his running mate. Um, and, and that has to do with some nuances and some complications related to the 12th Amendment, since they're both from Florida. Now, I mean, Trump could obviously, you know, pick a domicile somewhere else and fix that problem. But nobody is going to do no presidential candidate is going to do that for a running mate because it shows that the running mate's more important than the candidate. OK, hold on. Say, say that again. What? All right. So under the 12th Amendment, yeah. a 
no elector for president can vote for a candidate for president and a candidate from vice president from that elector's home state. Okay, you can pick a presidential candidate from your home state or a vice presidential candidate from your home state. But the electors from Florida could not constitutionally vote for a President Trump from Florida and a vice president DeSantis from Florida. The 12th Amendment prohibits that. Okay, so 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 could that potentially pull all those electors out of the out of the out of play? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So so that's why one of them would have to move from Florida if if if, you know, and, and of course, you know, Trump has the money. He's got the residences. I mean, he could move to Ireland. You know, right well, now. not well. Now, wait <laughs> no, a minute. He couldn't right. do that. But I mean, he could. He could set up a new home in yeah. Tennessee with no income tax or somewhere else. I mean, or Texas. But if he did that, he would be essentially sending a message that I need DeSantis more than DeSantis mm. needs me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he can't do that. That's why he's you know pulling the knives out with DeSantis right now, assuming that what the the, right. the drug stuff mm-hmm. is saying. So that leads in, okay, well, who would his running mate be if it's not going to be DeSantis? And I can think of only three people that would fit the bill. Uh, you've got, um, you know, Nome. You've got um, Tulsi, n- perhaps. No, 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 he won't do that. He, she, he, she might be in his cabinet, but she wouldn't be a running mate. Okay. Uh, she, he might pick Nikki Haley, but mm. I think the person that he's got his eye on and he would pick before he picked anyone else would be Carrie Lake. I mean, I've thought about it. I listened Ooh. to her press conference. I listened to her press conference a few weeks uh, from a, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And and when she talks, uh, you know, if let's put it this way. If Donald Trump ever transitioned into a woman, his name would become Carrie Lake because <laughs> they are just alive. However, okay? however, Carrie Lake, yeah, she's, can, she's a coherent orator. Yeah, she's a she's a little a little slicker than Trump is. True, but I mean, she she puts the media down, mm-hmm. and 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 look, it's no professional courtesy. She used to be in the media herself, right? right. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like yeah. I'm gonna I want to go throw back drinks with you when this election's over. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, I mean, you're not doing your job. I mean, she's <laughs> she's as blunt and as direct, and she's somebody if if let's say Biden did run for reelection and mm-hmm. and he decided. You know, to keep Harris because he didn't want to alienate the, um, you know, the the the, the ultra liberal woke black vote, whatever. You know, I mean, good night. Carrie Lake could have have it, her day with with her. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's that's kind of where I'm seeing this. Uh, now, that presupposes that Trump wins the nomina- runs and wins the nomination. Now there is. Uh, uh, a clear split in the party uh, about whether or not, okay, maybe Trump needs to hand the baton to DeSantis or someone else. Um, I'm, I'm of the persuasion Trump was probably, probably should run. And, and my thinking of that is we've ironed out all the bugs in him. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, I once, talked to a guy when I was doing engineering. I once talked to a guy who used to work on the space shuttle, and this is back 25 years ago, and he was telling me about things in the 80s, and he said, you know, back in the day when we were working on the space shuttle, we would get vacuum tubes from Poland. And for the space shuttle, they would use Polish-made vacuum tubes instead of, um, you know, the 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 um, PLCs and the other type mm-hmm. of logic that we would use 
even in, in the manufacturing plant I was working in at the time. And he said the reason we did that was because, you know, we knew they worked. <laughs> they were reliable. <laughs> okay. I mean, say what you will about Donald Trump. You know, he may have had a hell of a lot of skeletons and they may have found a whole bunch of stuff or tried to create a whole bunch of stuff, but there ain't going to be anything else they can find out of him. You know, and and I'm not saying that there's anything that you would find with DeSantis. I think he's a man of integrity, an honorable guy, and he's done a great job as governor. But it's one thing to have the Florida press digging up all your stuff. It's another thing to have every reporter right. digging up stuff on you. Right. And and so I'm there's bound to be some opposition research somebody's come up with or will come up with on on um, uh, the governor that we don't know about yet. And I'm not saying that that would have any bearing, Mm -hmm. but there's not much left you can pull out on Trump. (laughs) There wasn't much at the beginning even. So the, the, the struggle with Trump though, I I think the problem that we have with, with electing Trump is he is a better motivator of getting Democrats out to vote than he is getting Republicans out to vote. Well, I would agree with you to some degree, except to say this, even though he lost in 2020, he had more votes than he did the year before the, in 16. I mean, yeah, but his, his, his attitude, I think is what really got Biden elected because he, he was a, he was a great motivator for people to come out and vote against him. Well, I, I would agree with you to some extent. But I also, I'm not convinced. And listen to me, I'm not. I'm not wanting to. I know people are going to say I'm an election denier and brand me as some. No, we're we're not. Just you're aware, we're not that. This no, is no, mere, I know merely, y'all aren't. I'm merely, saying somebody <laughs> listening to this later. Okay, <laughs> exactly I mean, when right. I do my opposition research, <laughs> yeah. attention, future opposition research, pull up this <laughs> podcast I did on election right. night. Um, yeah. I, I do think that there is some. You know, from a legal standpoint, just to mm-hmm. give any as as a parallel, you know, when you're when you're wanting to prosecute a crime, and you go to the grand jury, you've got to have probable cause to make an arrest. You got to have probable cause for an indictment. But then when you go and and go to the criminal trial, you've got to have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay, yeah. um, by analogy, well, I don't know if there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt that there was enough fraud to turn this over, but there sure as hell was enough probable cause, mm. and um, the thing that bothers me the most is not the fact even that Trump lost or that Biden won. Okay, uh, for me the problem is is now we have set the precedent that if you are running for president of the United States in November of um, of a year, and 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 you know or believe or have reason to believe that there has been fraud that has disrupted your election. Maybe that fraud might not have even been from the other side. It could have been from foreign people like mm-hmm. the Russians or the Chinese or the North Koreans or, hell, even the Canadians. I don't know. Um, foreign influence, whatever the case may be, you know, may have robbed the people of, of their vote and, and robbed you of your opportunity to be reelected. And now the precedent has been set that if you raise that issue you are going to be branded as an election denier going forward. And if you don't have all of your evidence, the very moment you file your complaint, mm-hmm. then then you're not going to win. And 
look, I've been practicing law for 16 years. Is it? And, and I have, I have been working on, I'll give you an example. I'm working on a case right now where I'm representing a defendant who has been joined in with like seven or eight other defendants. The lawsuit was filed in 2016. Wow. Okay? And we are still doing depositions now, six years later. Mm. Okay. Now, granted, there was a lot of pretrial motions about venue and jurisdiction right. and junk like that. But the point is, you're not going to get the discovery that you need to prove or disprove mm. that whether a presidential election has been disrupted right. in the space of seven weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because of that, now we've set the precedent that if you stand up and say that there may be a problem with this election, you're automatically you're be branded, branded. The fool for yeah. the rest of your life. Yep. So now, now that that brand is there, now that that is is in play, that's going to empower more foreign governments, more you know uh, problems with. And I'm not talking about the Democrats or the Republicans. I'm talking about just just evil people in general. Mm-hmm may want to manipulate the election because now they know if they win, they're going to get away with it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is the scariest thing. So, so I, here's, here's what I think we should do. And I think every state in the union should amend because the legislature gets to pick the electors. Okay. I mean, under the constitution, if the legislature Say if the legislature of South Dakota decided, you know what, we're not going to have a presidential election in two years. We'll just go ahead and appoint the electors by the legislature. A constitution uh, would let that. That's a serious thing. So, so I, here's here's what I think we should do. And, and you know, so I'm I hearing some reverb on my in the, speaker, so that's why mm-hmm. I slowed down. Should, but the so here's what I think. If we were to say, all right, I'm going to use Mississippi as an example. Mississippi should enact a legislation that says the winner will of the popular vote for president will, you know, get all of our electors. Mm-hmm. But if somebody does not win by more than five or six percentage points or whatever that percentage point is, mm-hmm. okay, if there is a margin of error, if there is a a, a very you know, if you're within a certain margin of error, okay, we'll have an automatic recount. But if you are within an even closer margin of error, then we're just going to automatically go and let the legislature pick the electors and dispense with all this litigation. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. But w- because- wouldn't that be, um, by the narrative we've told in the, in the news media, wouldn't that be um, an attack on our democracy? No, it wouldn't be because <laughs> – the legislature would have put that into the statute, you know. Yeah, but but that by definition, before. by their definition, is an attack on democracy, isn't it? Well, we are a republic, <laughs> so I don't really give a crap. I mean, <laughs> you know, look, the, one of the worst things that ever we ever did as a government, okay, was to eliminate the um, the the legislatures picking the senators, mm. okay. Because I want you to imagine something for the audience that may not understand, may have never realized this. Okay, the way our framers intentionally wanted the government to be picked is that, okay, there's going to be some, you know, when you pick your members of the House of Representatives, you are one degree of separation from them. Okay, you are, right. you can, 
you're voting directly for that person. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you're electing a senator, they did not want you to elect the senator directly. You would elect your legislators. Okay. Well, the legislators in turn would appoint the senator. So you would be two degrees of separation from your senator. Okay. Then when it came time for picking the president, all right, well, your legislature would pick electors who in themselves would pick the president. So now you're three degrees of separation away from the president. Okay. And then the president himself or herself would pick the judges who'd be confirmed by the Senate. So you'd be four degrees of separation away from that. Mm -hmm. So you had the proper balance between the people having control over the situation, but not having a mob rule either, you know, and, and by the flip side, you had, you know, the, the, the semblance of stability without the tyranny that comes from having a monarchy. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it was a perfect balance, but you got rid of that situation where the Senate was, was, you know, you started having direct election of senators then now that placed all that into balance that placed that into a into uh, now legislators in mississippi or in other states have to literally hire lobbyists to go campaign for them in washington whereas just 100 years ago they could have just fired the senators <laughs> themselves right all right uh, i'm looking arizona finally has some numbers coming through i'm going to pull jeremy back in here to join this chat uh, arizona uh, but Jeremy, you're back from the streets. That's good. <laughs> oh yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, it was time to wrap that up. It was cold, <laughs> dark, and hard to be seen on the side of the road. So we uh, packed up everything and and got back here to uh, Bynum headquarters, home base. Awesome. Ar Arizona is 39 percent reporting. Uh, governor Governor candidate Katie Hobbs uh, is leading 55.2 percent. Carrie Lake's 44.8. Uh, all we got a week left from this one, so but they finally have some numbers out. So, hey, uh, Tra Travis Wilson is currently leading in his. They've released some numbers here. Oh, well, nice, so. awesome. So, Jeremy, how you feeling after uh, being outside all day? Ooh, I feel a lot better. Today. It's warmer in the house. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, so good, a good response to get out there and do that election sign waving there on the corner. Mm -hmm. awesome. I deal with this say as far as it actually being effective to change the vote but <laughs> I, I like i like the fact that that you are you're getting in the house to get warm and my air conditioner is running so you know what we don't care all right we don't <laughs> care about that so shut up <laughs> yeah. yeah we've actually had a you know it's been decently cold here uh at this time of year for us you know we're in rainforest so in southeast alaska Having uh, early November uh, snow on the mountainsides and minus uh, or not minus, but uh, below freezing temperatures is, is pretty early for us. So, but it meant it clear and it wasn't raining, and that was a bonus for us today. So, excellent. Uh, Beto yeah. is down by ten points exactly at the moment. Oh, sorry, ten point one points. Beto um, bites it. <laughs> Beto bites the big one. So, Andrew, was there any was there any any talk in your part of the of the Texas that he even ever had a chance? Uh not really. I mean, no nobody here felt like he had a chance, at least not anybody I talked to. Um and we just hope he goes away. 
<laughs> we're really tired of the guy. <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania. Now, this is interesting. Pennsylvania governor uh, Shapiro is ahead. Half of the half the votes are counted. Um, he's up by 12, 14, 12, 14 points, looks like. 14%, sorry, 14%. <clears throat> DeSantis really is in. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really surprised at the at the the gap between the the governor elections, uh, gubernatorial elections, and the um, the Senate elections in the same states. Mm. It really is surprising. Seems that the uh, Senate uh, Republicans are lagging substantially behind the governors in in a number of states. <laughs> this is fascinating. Uh, a guy named Tim Young. On the Twitter posted breaking, Beto has officially lost the hat trick of president, governor, and senator. <laughs> turns out the the just, turns out the fake Hispanic nickname didn't help at all. <laughs> Thank you, Tim Young, with the blue check mark on Twitter. Hey, so, so basically, he's the Texas version of Charlie Crist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, except yeah. for he was never a Republican, so. You made the observation about the Senate races uh, lagging behind the gubernatorial races. Do you think that yeah. you think that might have something really to do with the the quality of the Senate candidates that we actually have slated out there right now, or compared to the gubernatorial candidates? It could be. It could be. Um, and and it looks like JD Vance has a pretty commanding lead. I'm surprised that they're not calling this one yet. Um, in Ohio, he's up uh, nine points at this point with seventy-one uh, percent. So, and of course, they've already called that one for the governor. There, uh, Georgia is just running neck and neck at this point, and I can see this one being a runoff. So we may not know on that one for a while. Has there been it, any um, water pipes yet in in Atlanta? <laughs> It's not late enough yet. So, hey, Jeremy, uh, you're you're kind of in a little bit different, a um, little bit different feel for for things there because it's not not quite the same there as it is other other areas. Um, How's the how's the divide there between Republicans and Democrats? Is it uh, a little closer than than some areas than what you're seeing maybe nationally? It's interesting that uh, Alaska's really it, it really depends. I mean, we're such a big state, so spread out with the smaller populations that you'll see a difference in the brand of Republicans depending on where you're at in the state. Uh, I'll give an example of that here in Southeast Alaska. We, you know, the Republican brand is really um, not really um, party centric. It's more uh, issue centric. And so you'll see more moderate, more moderate brand of Republicans here in the southeast. Whereas opposed to you get up into the Matsu or up into the Kenai and there it's really super, super um I don't want to use the word conservative, but really right Republicans, kind of the, the ultra mega Republicans in the in that the, part. The mega MAGA, you mean? 
MAGA, 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 yeah. Okay. The, the Republicans uh, up there in um, the ultra, you know, mm-hmm. up there in the and uh, we call it, well, down here we call them the rail belt Republicans. And then you get out into the villages, and uh, you won't find too many up in the coastal and up in the north of Alaska. You won't find too many Republicans at all, really. So it's just a it's a diverse pool. But overall, the state in itself will be five to seven points red as far as electing Republicans. I think Trump took the state uh, in the last election by six to seven points. So not as much as you'd see. Expect from Alaska has always been considered a very Republican state. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, wouldn't say a traditionalist Republican state, though. Um I guess maybe even leanings of, of libertarianism here. You know, a lot of the people here are just like, leave me alone mentality as opposed to national politics. So I don't know if that really answered your question, Andy. No, I, I think it does. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, and you know, you're starting to see some, some things. Um, Matt talked a little bit about, uh, is his love for Carter back in the day. Um, and, and we're seeing some, some shifting here in, in Texas and obviously in Florida, I mean, a, a heavy switch on the, uh, the Latino vote. Right. So that went heavily for DeSantis there. Um, and we're seeing, we've got a couple of elections right now down in, in areas where it's been hundreds of years since they've elected a, a Republican and it looks like they're going to uh, elect a couple of Republicans in the, in the southern part of Texas. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these things shift. Yeah, we we definitely um, the, it's really it's an interesting state. And uh, here in Alaska, we look at our legislature as an example, right? We have a a slim majority Republican in our uh, Republicans in our Senate. And right now our, our house has been basically a coalition of primarily Democrats. I mean, it's like a 21 to 19 uh, democratic coalition with a few independents, AKA, you know, they're independents, um, but they always seem to lean toward the Democrat side. Uh, in our house. And then, and then you'll see, um, our governor's races usually will run about, you know, three to five points, uh, toward the Republican side. So Republicans will typically take the, um, the, the governor, uh, typically that's probably a bad characterization, but in general, lately it's been, um, the governor going to a Republican. We'll see our senators be Republicans. Although, uh, Murkowski is obviously you, you guys have followed the national news with Murkowski and how she dealt with the impeachment of Trump, some of the um, Supreme Court picks and how she dealt with those. And then most recently, how she's been dealing with um, President Biden's uh, picks for major departments, whether it's, uh, you know, the things that will impact us here in, in uh, Alaska. So. She's definitely been more moderate as far as uh, a Republican goes, more or less. Her and Susan Collins are kind of in the same lockstep 
uh, right there on the verge of. of yeah, th- they do. They do kind of tend to be the the tipping points in a lot right. of the contentious issues. Right, and then um, the contrast to that is uh, we have a Senator Sullivan, and he's uh, definitely definitely more um, resource driven. He's a very strong Republican, but it's it's generally the strong Republican values. He really tries to stay out of the um, a lot of the issues that we see with Republicans down mm-hmm. in uh, or forty eight. So, well, fellas, I um, need to. And Jeremy, by the way, it's nice to meet you. I know we didn't get a chance to speak earlier. You were out on the street, <laughs> um, yeah, campaigning. <laughs> but my my battery. <laughs> My battery on this iPhone is about to go dead, and I don't necessarily want to be talking with y'all on speakerphone. And then my 14-year-old daughter come down here and ask questions, and and anyway, hey, that could be good. You never know. Well, yeah, she's you've you, hey, listen, you, you've read some of the stuff I put on about her on Facebook. She's pretty witty. Um, uh, but she's be, a character. Before you go, though, Matt, uh, I did want the New York Times has given us some tools. Uh, I just mm-hmm. want everyone to know this elections and anxiety often go hand in hand. So this is on Twitter. It's official. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, 5.05 PM today. Uh, here are some evidence-based strategies that can help you cope. You ready? There's five. Okay. Number one, uh, try five finger breathing. Trace the outside of your hand with your pointer finger. And when you trace up, breathe in. And when you trace down, breathe out. Number two is cool down. <laughs> That's the, this is legitimate advice. Plunge your face into a bowl with ice water for 15 to 30 seconds. <clears throat> Number three, move. Even a walk around the block can often can offer some relief for an uneasy mind. Now, Jeremy, you just walked around the block, so you should be perfectly calm. This is good. Uh, Number four, breathe like a baby. Focus on expanding your belly as you breathe, which can send more oxygen to the brain. And then lastly, limit your scrolling. Consider plotting out specific times when you will look for election updates. That is uh, your five ways to soothe election stress brought to you today by the New York Times, ladies and gentlemen. So basically they think Lee Zeldin is going to win after all. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I like it. Thanks for for joining us tonight. Yes, thank you. Uh, Sure, and and if you want to... Plug my Facebook. You're welcome to at Lawyer Matt, um, and uh, my website. Though it's just for my business, but it's betteraskmatt.com. So <laughs> excellent, <Very nice>. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Before before I go, yeah. I have to. I heard you laugh. So, um, Jeremy, you're going to love this. <laughs> I started renting a law office, and in, in this town I moved into, and it just so happens I'm between a nail salon and an Asian massage spa. <laughs> and um, so I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to be putting my the name of my business over the sign for the massage spa, people are going to automatically think things. So I might as well just own it, right? So um, I'm. I'm... <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to meet you for this brief moment here, Matt. And uh, maybe we'll have an opportunity in the future to have further conversations. All fun. right, ten four. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. See you. righty, bye bye. Yep. <clears throat> awesome. So, uh, there's nothing coming in from Alaska yet, which you we you still have.
Did you say the polls are open till 8 p.m. up there? 8 p.m. Yeah, we won't see any kind of results start rolling in until I'm probably about, um, my guess is maybe 9.30 our time. Okay, and it's what, uh, 6, 6.41 there, is that right? Right. Gotcha. Um, Mark Kelly is leading Blake Masters at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think that was maybe predictable on that one. Um, I think Nevada is going to be the, the interesting one there. Um, do you think that positive, but (laughs) do you think that, um, Mark Kelly is still riding the, the coattails of, uh, his wife? Ah, it's very possible. Uh, and you got, I mean, I think in Arizona, if I'm, I may be, I may be remembering this wrong, but it seemed like they were somewhere around 60% of the absentee ballots that were, that were pulled in were, uh, were for Democrats. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he may be starting that count significantly up as, as things start reporting. So we'll see how that, uh, yeah. how that trends as the evening goes on. Well, they're, they're counting 40%. Of the ballots counted or reported. Yeah, no, I, precincts reporting. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how that, that plays out. Cause that could be, uh, some states actually count those, uh, early. Hmm. And, and some uh, don't. Right. Those, yeah. And dump those almost immediately once the, once the election is over. Yep. So you get a pretty substantial lean in one direction or the other. Good question for you guys. Um, you talked about the Georgia race, though the the Walker race is. Uh, yeah. They require the fifty plus one for there not to be a runoff, correct? Correct. Yeah. And right now, <laughs> Walker is up forty nine point four to forty eight point six. Right. It, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if there's a runoff. Twenty seven thousand votes at the moment. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, I see forty nine six now. Oh, maybe who knows what's going to happen here? But they still got the larger. They probably got a lot of those larger uh, districts still outstanding there. So, who knows what's going to happen with those numbers? Hmm. Weird. Well, this is. I don't know. Um, Jeremy, were you involved in the, were you on when we uh, talked about um, if you had seen in your lifetime uh, elections where you just assume you're not going to know the result for days, perhaps? Or is that a new phenomenon? Oh, it's absolutely a new phenomenon, I believe. Um, Even then, before, you know, the network news that we had, I think that we had a really good idea of what was going to happen in elections. Mm Mm-hmm. This idea of them just stretching on and on and on is really an artifact of expansion of uh, different voting mechanisms, right? Uh, uh, here in Alaska, uh, you know, they've always had a little bit of a delay only because of the remoteness of some of the some of the right. villages. <laughs> yeah. You guys are half the size of the country. <laughs> but, but right now, under our new system, we're not going to have any idea about what's going on in the election until Thanksgiving. You know, uh, there'll be some races that we could probably call, but we won't have an idea until Thanksgiving, which is, mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy. Really. Are you talking about specifically Alaska or are you, you speaking nationally? 
Well, here in Alaska, that's just an example. That's here in Alaska. There's going to be places that around the country, though, where you may not know for weeks, right? Um, yeah. So but, if they have for well, for, I guess for one thing, if they end up having the runoff in Georgia, right, then you're going to end up not knowing that one for several weeks because we, you know, it's going to throw a little bit of a, a little bit of a curveball for the Congress for sure. Now, this is interesting. Here in South Dakota, we had two statewide measures. One was an, uh, uh, or statewide questions. Um, one was an amendment to the Constitution, which would have expanded eligibility for Medicaid. Uh, the issue in that from the opponents of it were was that it would write in a federal program into our state constitution. Uh, that currently with 31% reporting is winning uh, by 10%, 55 to 45%. And then we have a measure that uh, legalizes marijuana recreationally. And that currently is failing by about the same 10% margin. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's going to be a losing battle across these states. Um, I think, just going to see more and more states approve the recreational use. Um, well, well, am, here's in the last election cycle, South Dakota actually approved two marijuana measures. Christy Noem, and this is actually one of her, uh, one of the knocks against her. She fought that after the fact and like went against the will of the people and got it reversed uh, in the courts. Well, so, what did you say was happening with the uh, Medicaid? It, it expands Medicaid eligibility. Um, the, the turnout on it. What are you saying? Uh, it's 55% for, 45% against currently with 31% reporting. How, well, I, I can say how do you, I'm, I'm very confused on how you expand a federal program. Uh, well, state level. Well, it, it's it's available. My understanding is it's an available product that the states have to uh, accept like the federal government has like they extended uh, expansion. And then we've seen that happen here in Alaska um, here over the last uh, eight years or so, eight years ago, uh, Alaska went through a Medicaid expansion. And so there's this idea that you're going to provide better, you're going to get better healthcare options in the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what's going to ultimately happen is this: what you're going to see happen is, is that it will grow. It will grow basically without bound, and the state will then become responsible for portions of covering those costs. So it's not just fully a federal uh, federal program. The state will have to pick up a portion of that. I think cost. I think ninety percent of it's going to be reimbursed by the federal government. It's what is what the South Dakota deal was? Is my understanding? Sure. But 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 even with the expansion, that that additional cost is going to be there for the state. Correct. But then what you're going to see happen, and this is what we, we that's happened here in Alaska, is that you're going to see um, BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs programs, they're going to be shifting members into Medicaid as mm-hmm. opposed to funding health programs through BIA. And you're going to see that sh- that cost shift from the federal government um, is going to start to slowly shift into the state coffers. Right. So, right. You, so you as a state, you're going to be end up paying more. They're going to say it's expanded care, but it's expanded care with the prescription of you better provide X, Y, Z. The state has no say in what that X, Y, Z is. Right. Because it, it's a federal program. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing that you're going to see happen is that you're going to see a shift in veteran services. And we've seen that here in Alaska as well. Um, you know, veterans are going to be, um, going to be shifted, you know, uh, into the Medicaid program, uh, specifically medic, uh, veterans that are at that lower income level that would then qualify that are on uh, veterans benefits. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically going to see this cost share shift from the VA into the Medicaid. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's still a federal program, but your cost share portion of for the state's required contribution is going to now be there that wasn't there before. So ultimately, I, I can assure you that you likely will not see better care in your state. You're going to see more prescriptive care that you have no control over and the costs are going to go up for the state. So to me, it's um, it's really a big cost shifting scheme to um, to shift those costs onto the state. But that's just my opinion on the matter. We look and see what's happening here in Alaska. And in my, it's not provided better care. It's only co- provided more expensive care. More, you said more expensive? More expensive, absolutely. Hmm. So there's, um, you know, you, you don't have a real choice. Once, once somebody's enrolled in Medicaid, they basically have this uh, these health care rights now. Yeah. Right? Because it's not being provided through a state program mm-hmm. or through an established VA program or a, a Bureau of Indian Affairs medic, medical program. Not that those programs still aren't there. There's still VA programs. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's just that there's a shift in who, you know, there's a shift from the um, who's actually taking part in those um, programs. Um, and then that, sh- that shifts proportions of cost on to Alaska. So Alaska... Um, and or your state is going to be responsible for, for paying for portions of care that the state has a, a really very limited ability to control what those costs are. Hmm. Here's an example of that here in Alaska. So we have a, a village um, up north. Maybe you're in Nome, for example. And they don't have uh, the appropriate dental care provider there in Nome for you. Uh, and the, you happen to be on uh, Medicaid. So what's going to be happening is you see the, the, the child that's on Medicaid that might be receiving this dental care requirement, um, they'll book two airline tickets for the guardian and the child, and then they'll fly them to where they can get dental care. And sometimes that's in the lower 48 down to Seattle. So who bears that right? cost? Well, Medicaid bears part of it, and the other part of it's borne by the state. So uh, of the so, travel to get there? All of it. Yeah, the travel hotel per diem. So that's got nothing to do with healthcare. That's just moving you to the provider that they are authorized. That they authorize. That's absolutely correct. Yep. Mm. And so we see quite a bit of that kind of care happening because you don't have the availability of it in these remote areas, mm-hmm. right? Now maybe it's going to be a little bit different for you guys because you can just jump in the car and go, right? Uh, where we don't have that ability here. Right. But still, even there. If you don't have the, the service readily available nearby, they're going to send you to where it is readily available, and the costs are then going to be covered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm hesitant to amend the constitution ever, and so there's got to be a really good reason to amend the constitution in my mind, and I, so it, it, it's a tough one because. You know, not that you don't want people to have access or to to be able to get taken care of when they need to, um, especially the poor. However, when we write something like that into our constitution, what are we what are we binding ourselves in future to? 
Yeah, you're creating an entitlement, and we yeah we use that, we use that term sometimes pejoratively, but um, we're literally creating entitlements where people are are entitled to receive certain care uh, or certain benefits. Well, um, there's a, a local candidate in Minnesota that I had had opportunity to interview in her. Um, she had a post yes a couple of days ago about things that are not um, that she says are true. Uh, one of them is wanting everyone to have what they need isn't a radical idea. And then everyone deserves to be safe, healthy, and loved. And I, 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 I don't. I mean that that's her platform. Is that a part of Trump too? No, he's not by everyone. Um, that's, but but that was her platform. So so that's why you need to vote for her, because everyone deserves to be healthy. I, I, which I don't understand that. I don't know what that means. Everyone, you know, if if health care is a human right, what does that mean? Health care. Or someone else paying for your health care. Difference; those well, are different. Here, here, here's the way I differentiate on on rights. Okay, if a right is something you can exercise on your own, mm-hmm. right? If I'm if I'm exercising a free speech right, um, I don't need you to exercise my free speech right. But if I need you to operate on me, that's not a right. So, so is that the same as like compelled speech in the Peterson scenario? I, I mean, in a so is it sense, compelled it, action? Well, how how else would you see it? How, how else could you interpret it? I mean, uh, if you're forcing someone else to give you care, or forcing someone else to purchase your care, mm-hmm. how is that a right? A right should be able to be exercised on your own, right? So, so, so I have I, a right to walk, move about freely. Nobody does that but me. So you have a right to keep a bare arms. Nobody's forcing someone else to buy you a gun. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, I could, I could kind of go for that one maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, a 50 man. caliber I've been looking at. That's, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, really, mm-hmm. if you, if, if you need someone else to exercise, what you're calling a right, it's not a right. So, Craig, the um, the, the, the item on your ballot or the question that yeah. you currently have is that you that is to amend the Constitution or that is to bring the question to it's an initiated amendment to the South Dakota Constitution expanding Medicaid eligibility, and that's going to be a simple majority vote of the people. Yeah, or will it? yeah. It it doesn't have to be ratified by the legislature at all. I no, I don't believe so. I, I wow. think in South Dakota we have the ability to the people can uh, directly amend that. Hmm. Uh, so pursuant to SDCL twelve thirteen twenty five point one, I hereby submit the filing oh, for the Attorney General's recitation uh, of the effect of a yes or no vote. So a yes vote is to adopt the amendment, and no vote is to leave the Constitution as is. Um, 
Yeah, we're going through a, a very similar thing. Every 10 years after the census here in Alaska, the people are given a question to say, call a constitutional convention. So that's one okay. of the things on our website here is where you can uh, call a constitutional convention by the vote of the people. Mm-hmm. Or we'll see what happens with that on our ballot. Um, it, when you say a constitutional convention, are you referring to to the Alaska Constitution? Correct. So here's the constitutional amendment attorney general statement for this. Uh, The explanation was Medicaid is a program funded by the state and the federal government to provide medical coverage for low income people who are in certain designated categories. This constitutional amendment expands Medicaid eligibility in South Dakota. It requires the state to provide Medicaid benefits to any person over 18 and under 65 whose income is at or below 133 percent of the federal poverty level plus 5% of the federal poverty level for the applicable family size as provided in federal law. For people who qualify under this amendment, the state may not impose burdens or restrictions that are greater than those imposed on any other person eligible for Medicaid benefits under South Dakota law. The South Dakota Department of Social Services must submit to the federal government all documentation required to implement this amendment and must take all actions necessary to maximize federal funding for this expansion. Well, buckle up. That's all I can say. <laughs> so that, uh, let's see. And there is. Yeah, then there's some more um, suggestions. Um, this was back in May when they were, or April and May when they were getting it together. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty confident it's going to pass and, the main reason is uh, the explanations that I've seen in the marketing have been very minimal. You know, it is interesting looking at, at so you mentioned 133% of the federal poverty level, mm-hmm. um, which for a family of four currently is about $37,000 a year. Didn't it say plus 5% too, based on your family size? So, yeah. <laughs> well, the, actually the, the, I don't know how that works exactly on there because the federal poverty level actually is, is divided up by person at 133%. So Mm, one person is 18,000, four people is 36,908. But I do find that interesting because I think back to when um, we had a family of four and we were living on about $24,000 a year. Poverty. I don't get it. It was, it was a, a little while ago, right? But um, still, we made it work, right? Mm-hmm. Without without all the extra uh, state help. So um, it just seems uh, absurd sometimes. Some of the stuff that we we hand out to people, we don't we never give them the opportunity to actually uh, work their way out of. We want to just keep them there well that it's was something beneficial. i had i had an interesting conversation at the voting booth technically uh with an <laughs> old guy that i know and it was weird because we had a chat about some of the details right there um but i thought screw it i'm a citizen we can do that and it was about um that concept of medicaid tends to keep you poor because if you to be on it you're not allowed to ever acquire any anything and so to stay on that 
then you have to remain poor. You can only have so much cash available to you. You can't own certain things um, because right. or and they just take it, you know, oh, oh, you sign up for Medicaid. Well, you have this asset. Well, we need that asset. So then they take that over in order to give you care. So it feels like this is a way to just maintain a certain level of, of poverty demographic. Yeah, no, for sure. Jeremy, is that kind of how it feels up there too? Yeah, I, it, you know, we, it's kind of interesting up here is, I, I'm not going to speak in general terms of, of the state as a whole, but there are areas of the state where um, it's not just Medicaid that's the problem. Is that there's a waiver to the um, to the welfare programs that are federally provided? Mm-hmm. You have time restrictions on them, right? But when you add in the rural the the rural areas of Alaska, some a lot of these rural areas of Alaska are exempt from those time frames. So you can get up into some of the areas of Alaska, and it's just perpetual. Um, government aid and healthcare. Mm. Yeah, then that the, they never will ever get off of it because there is no requirement to do so. So, it, I mean, South Dakota <laughs> several years ago voted to increase their minimum wage to like nine twenty five an hour and up from seven, I, I think up from maybe up from the federal anyway, it was, it was seven something. So maybe that wasn't federal. Um, and you know, the, all the business owners, were up in arms because that makes no sense to just cross the board, just increase the bottom, you know, be mandated to do that. And, you know, the question came about, well, how, how could this happen? How could the people vote for this? And the reality is if you allow on a ballot people to vote things that they benefit directly from, so I'm going to vote myself a raise, of course they're going to do it because people at that level don't understand what it actually costs to do business. And what that looks like. So in, in, in this instance, if you hear it's going to allow more people to have health care, you know, we're going to get more people to have health care. Well, the the non-thinker is going to go, that's a great idea. Check. Count me in. I'm in. Without any research. So one of the things that yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this, but one of the things that um, uh, Beto was running on was raising the minimum wage in Texas. So the the minimum wage in Texas is 725. Um good luck finding a job here for 725. You mean is, so there's no reason to ha- to raise it because it's already raised essentially? <laughs> so you you go by most of these places and and you look at fast food places that are advertising 10 12 dollars an hour <laughs> uh starting wage at a you know at a fast food place. So um 725 as a minimum wage, nobody's paying that. Nobody's working for that because the, the demand for labor here is so much higher, you know, because, because there's no minimum wage strangling it out. Um, the demand for labor is actually pushing the cost of labor up. Hmm. Gentlemen, I'm going to have to, um, yeah, you go part our conversation here. It's been a really long couple of days. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you very much for taking the time hey. to jump on here. I know it was a, a, a long ask, and I really appreciate it. It's yeah, been good and, to and catch good up. Luck with that. And hey, Travis Wilson uh, did win his uh, his election. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. Sweet. 14 of, 14 of 14 precincts reporting. He's got 54.46% of the vote. So. That's excellent. So, Jeremy, you're next. Buckle up. 
Yeah, no, we're going to win this thing, I think. I like uh, it. We're going to pause it. What's this cat doing? Maybe we wanted to get part of the show. It's good. <laughs> yeah. No, we uh, – yeah, we we put a lot of work into this campaign, and uh, you know we're running, like I said uh, before when we talked, uh, I'm running against a four-term incumbent. Yeah, yeah, um, you know it's, it's it's a hard thing to overcome. We we've been in this race for four and a half months. Give we're really you know in the race for four and a half months, mm-hmm. and I can uh, definitely tell you that uh, trying to run a, a statewide campaign <laughs> or a state campaign in four and a half months is um was quite a feat um to do that and obviously it wasn't i didn't do it on my own uh, you know having a good partner in life re- really makes that possible yeah so my wife has been instrumental in making this happen and when we first got into this thing one of the things she said is i'm not going to be the campaign manager i just want to let you know that <laughs> wait and are you are you looking at your campaign manager right now <laughs> yeah pretty much I love it. <laughs> Perfect. So she said, never again. We're not doing this again. No, but uh, really we put a lot of work into it. We've um, we've done thousands and thousands of letters and um, signatures and licking stamps. and Or not licking stamps, putting stamps on and, and uh, 34 miles of door-to-door knocking on doors. Wow. And, talking and, and uh, we did all that in uh, about four and a half months. So it's been it's been a really tiring thing. And then holding a 50-plus-hour-a-week job, managing the electric <laughs> division, and uh, being on a borough assembly, it's uh, it's been pretty pretty busy four and a half months. So we're happy that tonight is it. That's awesome. Hopefully we can wake up tomorrow and know that we have uh, the numbers to win. Uh, when so, so how are you gonna are, are you gonna sleep well, not knowing the answer to that question? Yeah, we'll see. It's been like I said, pretty pretty tough. Uh, Two, two days here. The last couple two days have been go go go. Been on the feet here since seven forty five this morning. You'll be you'll be waking up and pushing that refresh button, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what'll probably happen. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, hey, good luck to you. We look forward to uh, hearing the good results, yeah. man. I appreciate it. Vote if you want to find out more. Excellent. Votebinum.com. Perfect. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, have a good we'll, one, man. We'll We'll have to get on and do a, another little catch up at some point uh, after Let's we win and talk a little bit about what's going to happen in the state legislature. So I like it. Thanks, guys. Good work. Good seeing you. Yep. See you. Awesome. Let's jump into uh, Chuck Todd here. On the ballot, and he's getting doing better than our libertarian in Georgia, who is likely going to fo- force a runoff. Okay, so Holly, what say you? So, you're, if you're looking at themes tonight, um, yes, there's a couple of things that themes. I'm super interested in. Because as Chuck has noted, we, we are doing a bit of a rematch of 2020. We've talked about, as we talk about big picture themes, we've talked about the Donald Trump factor, which you addressed with, I think, Ooh, Senator Lindsey Graham. It's a factor um, now. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I think you're looking at abortion access, too, right? Because this has been something that Democrats have it's focused on heavily. Want this to be they do, do, and it hasn't been. I mean, it's been I, like I low 20s. A little bit as well. Because right Potentially. now, um, we are seeing numbers that are very similar to what we saw in 2018 when it was record-breaking youth turnout. They largely break for Democrats here. You know, I have a, I have a question here on how much that is helping to drive some of the, as, as Chuck knows, the college town turnout, et cetera, how much that is helping to drive uh, Democrats to overperform in some of these spots that we've been talking about. 
And I think suburban women in the suburban oh, Andrea, the here we go. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia may prove to be really important. Obviously, we're going to wait and wait for Philadelphia to come out. We have to see what happens wait, in Allegheny County and the big cities. Mm -hmm. But suburban women and the abortion issue. I, I think I, abortion election day voters crime. are Democrats. Election yeah. day voting Democrats. That was Oz something a lot of people didn't see coming. Huh? That's why Oz is closing the gap, by the way. Well, I'm looking at Wisconsin, too. Ron Johnson is only up by, uh, geez. A percent? No. A little over a percent? Eight tenths of a percent. So, yeah, geez. No, six, isn't it? 49.3 to 50.7. But he's up 68% reporting. Uh, that'll be interesting to see if he uh, pulls that out because he was so vocal against the. Um, the mandates and the like he he's the guy in the Senate who's been having all these uh, hearings with the <laughs> the conversation and the people that aren't allowed to talk about um, the pandemic treatments and such. And I think it's fascinating that he's the guy. And so we'll see if he gets uh, if he can holds his uh, his Senate seat. Yeah. We definitely got to hold on to some. <laughs> so Thune in South Dakota is handily so far uh, putting aside Brian Bangs. Now, you know, Brian they've Bangs already, yeah, sat down with me. Them, so. Huh? They've, they have called that one. Yeah. I mean, they, they, there was no chance. I mean, Thune has $15 million in the bank and Bangs had nothing. Uh, but Bangs sat down with me for an interview and Thune did not. <laughs> so apparently I'm <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> Uh, you know, it is interesting, uh, obviously very early on with 2% of the vote, but um, the Republican is leading in Washington. Now, that will actually be phenomenal. Like Patty Murray, that lady, um, it would be interesting to see her go. I mean, she's been there for how long? How long has Patty Murray been in the representing Washington in the Senate? I don't know the answer to that question. It's been a while. Peanut Gallery, do you know how long she's been there? Too long. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> well, I see. That's kind of my. Now, who does that? Who does that not describe in the Senate? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I think anyone take party off. Let's move the 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 R or the D. Just take that off and then say too long. Been there too long. I, I don't think. I think Cocaine Mitch has been there longer than I've been alive. Ooh, 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 what's happening in Iowa? Chuck Grassley. Okay, so Grassley, who is, is he 88 currently? He's winning 56.3 to 43.7 over Michael Franken. And uh, Yeah, and that's one that they've they've uh, called that one. As well, well. The, the, there's no chance that Grassley loses because of his, his pull. But now, I'm 43. I don't remember Chuck Grassley not being in the Senate. <laughs> I don't. And like Joe Biden, I don't remember Joe Biden not there's being. A, there's a lot of those guys there. You know, yeah. Joe, Joe Biden is, was there forever. Mm -hmm. uh, Mitch McConnell has been there forever. Um, Schumer's been there forever. I mean, there's just so many of those guys and they just keep getting reelected and they're older and older and older. And we got these extremely aged senators now <laughs> oh man uh so joe biden president president joe biden 
was on uh, Smartless, the Smartless podcast, uh, with Will Arnett, <laughs> Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, which I typically really enjoy that show because those three guys are hilarious together. Uh, so they had the puff piece where they got to fawn over Joe Biden uh, as president and how great he is and all the things. But one of the things that really jumped out to me in their hour-long chat with him, uh, uh, Will Arnett is Canadian. Or he was, I think he has American citizenship now, but he was born Canadian. Um, and he made reference to that and he's like, oh, sir, I, you know, I, I'm an American now, um, which is kind of a joke. And Biden had the gall to say, uh, no, no worries. If I defect, I'm defecting to Canada. Are you kidding? The sitting president said that? <laughs> oh. The bad part is that's not the worst of his, uh, the things that the guy has said. Chuck Grassley is 89. He was born in 1933. He has he was elected to the Senate. <laughs> He's been the senator from Iowa since 1981. I was born in 1979. <laughs> Old Chuck. He's 89. That means he's going to be 95 by the time this next term is up. Is that how old was um? The the uh, the KKK Grand Poobah in the, in the Senate. Um, yeah, I, th- I want to say name? he was somewhere around 89. Uh, Bird. Yeah, Robert. Bobby Bird. Yeah, Robert Bird. Uh, he was yeah, in his good, 80s, wasn't he? Good friend of, uh, yeah, I think he was 89. Um, good friend of Mr. Biden. Ah, and interestingly enough, he was also, uh, there's pictures uh, of him with uh, the old lady who used to run the newspaper in my town. A good South Dakota Democrat. <laughs> so they finally called Ohio for Vance. Mm. Is he the incumbent? Uh, to me. He's not. Oh, oh, so this is new for both. Yeah. All right. So uh, currently 88% reporting, 53.6% to JD, and uh, 464 to Tim Ryan. Hmm. So... It- it will be interesting. So it looks like, and, and we'll see how it plays out, but it looks like no matter which way this goes, it looks like it's going to be a runoff in Georgia. Um, Cause it doesn't look like either candidate will, will hit 50%. Um, no, they're 84% in right now. And uh, Walker is for 49.3 to Warnock's 48.7. So if there, if there's not, and there's a runoff, it'll be interesting to see which way the, the the votes break in that uh, for the well keeping in mind that we do still have all night we have overnight hours <laughs> to collect some more the, votes for them the the, the votes uh, there's precedent to show that the votes very much can change overnight so um, just 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 throwing it out there uh, oh so, I wanted to see uh, Ch- uh, Chuck U Schumer. Um, <laughs> the okay. words of Rush Limbaugh uh, is winning fifty nine percent to thirty nine percent over. There's no way he loses that New York seat. No, no. Unfortunately, no. I mean, that guy is another one who has been in there too long. Right. Tam, Tammy Duckworth from Illinois has. Uh, they've called her, which that's not terribly shocking. I don't think. What, what what are we doing? You just now looking at the social medias? 
I... the peanut gallery is behind the behind the game. It's all right. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to look at the house. I wanted to see what AOC was doing in New York. Uh, she was up on the last last one that I saw there. Don't let's see here. I mean, I I would be surprised again, just because Hakeem Jeffries is winning. Um, yeah, she's uh seventy percent. 70.5%. She's not in a a district where she'll ever lose to a Republican. The only way she loses is if she gets primaried. And she won't because of her, she primaried the old guy who didn't think he needed to. So if she, unless she's an idiot and doesn't realize what she had to do to win. She'll be there as long as Nancy Pelosi was. Oh, now that, okay, let's go there. What's her now? Again, again, she will never lose, and we don't have much data, I'm sure. Um, but I cannot imagine that she ever has an issue. Yeah, we don't no. have any of those yet. We're not. We're still some time away from the the West. So Coast. they've called. They've called. Uh, depending on which ones you're looking at, somewhere around 140 seats for the. Republicans at about 86 for the Democrats in the House. You know, I was going to look. Let's see, where did that go? Yeah, so currently the Republicans have won 14 seats in the Senate and the Democrats seven is what it shows on the Google map. Uh, If we look at the House... Uh, Republicans are, uh, they've gained two seats. The Democrats have lost four in the House. How does that work? I don't know. That's an interesting, well, no, they they can't be a, um, it, it's got, well, it's got to be a flipping. Well, it can't be a flipping. It'd be even then. I'm not a statistician. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Hochul, do we see what know what Hochul's doing in governor of New York? Kathy, fifty five point three percent over Zeldin's forty four point seven. Sixty four percent reporting. <sighs> Man, other than that lady's just creepiness, uh, I don't know how she loses, just because it's New York. Yeah, I guess it just depends on where the where the votes have been counted so far. Um, that's an interesting one. I don't think she's ever actually won a, an election before, has she? No, she was. Well, was, wasn't it a governor it, election? Well, wasn't it a or did she just get appointed after old Cuomo had to? Well, she was the hang his head lieutenant in shame. governor. Okay, so she stepped into that role. All right, right, and, and there and was. I, She's done that a couple of times. So she's unelectable? Well, maybe not after tonight. This is true. <laughs> well, it's, it's like um, uh, the vice, the current vice president. I mean, we don't know if she's electable or not. I mean, she, according to the Democratic primary, she's unelectable. But <laughs> I was trying to find old Michael Moore. Um, his, uh, oh, the blue wave predictor? Oh, is he is he not on the Twitter any the Twitter anymore? Did he leave? No, I don't know. He no, was on there just there. the other day predicting a blue wave. So, <clears throat> uh, Mike's midterm tsunami truth. 
Um, uh, Jimmy Dore has a quote from him that says, uh, vote Dem or you're stupid. So, I mean, the, the intellectual prowess of these people is just staggering. <laughs> And I, I still go back to the New York Times. I mean, are they, do they assume that the American public is, are just drooling morons in order to breathe, breathe like a baby, take a walk? <laughs> well, you got you to realize their constituency. So they knew they were going to lose the House. Good chance they lose the Senate. So they're just prepping everyone? Yeah, okay, we know just, it's going to be bad, so here. And actually, it'd be best if you go take a shot of whiskey. <laughs> is, is that worth it? In their case, I think it's just methamphetamine, so. Nah, San Francisco. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed we didn't get our California report, although uh, I did get a note from uh, Larry Blydner from that Larry show. If anyone listens to this show, he was on just uh, recently. Um I was going to see if he could come on and give us a boots on the ground report. Here's what he told me. He's like, uh, elections here are pointless anyway. He said, it's a one party commie state. And he said, he said, you can quote me. (laughs) So that's the sentiment there. Apparently. Um, and I, uh, I did reach out to Scott Jensen, the, uh, challenger to Tim walls in Minnesota. Uh, didn't hear back. But I'm sure he's in the middle of crazy. Christy Nome is winning handily over Jamie Smith. Still, there's only 49% reporting currently. Uh, but let's see here. Let me go to the statewide. So looking at the South Dakota website, uh, statewide voter turnout, um, it's at 19% overall reporting, apparently. Uh, no, sorry. Precincts reporting are 35%. Uh, ballots casts 118,000. There's act, the active voters. So this will be fun. You live in a monster state. Uh, the active voters in South Dakota, 597,073. So as of now, we have about 20% of the active voters have cast a ballot. Um. <sighs> 687 total precincts, 241 have fully reported, and 28 have partially reported. So that must mean that there's 400 that have not done anything yet, which is weird, but okay. So let's see what they say Christie's numbers are. I did actually reach out to uh, Governor Noem's people as well to see if she could come on. Um, but not with this kind of winning. They won't do that. <laughs> uh, she has received 107,474 votes so far. And Jamie Smith, the challenger, 56,835. So I don't think he has a chance in anything. Um which is interesting because if you listened to the 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 South Dakota Democrats which I follow both both sides and it's fun to see what they say um 
they were all in like this guy is the guy he's the one he's the good guy but i'll tell you what if she wins by that i mean right now i mean obviously we're we're not there with the fully reporting but if she wins by 10 points man that will be insane because i think she only beat billy sutton in the last time by 3 so so it sounds like people are happier with you with her than uh, than generally thought, huh? Well, well, than generally thought by someone, and yes, very much. Um, but again, is this a is this a matter of voting for someone or voting against someone? And I see, I I would love to figure that out somehow. Like, was Trump voted against, and or was Biden voted for? Is Warnock voted against or for? Is Fetterman being voted for or is Oz being voted against? I don't know. And there's probably no way to know that, really. In the governor results so far, the Democrat Party supposedly has gained two governorships and the Republican Party has lost two. That's interesting. But prior to today, or prior to yeah, the election, the Republican Party held twenty two governor seats and the Democrats twelve. <clears throat> that doesn't add up, but whatever. Oh, those no, are just the ones that were on the ballot. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. ones that they've yeah. called so far, yeah. Yeah, because there's several that aren't actually running. There's no election in those governorships. Right. There's a, a few states that don't. So have. they have called Minnesota for Tim Walls currently, which isn't surprising. It's, it, it's, it's interesting because of what Tim Walls did to the state with during COVID. Um, just like Whitmer. Where's she? I haven't even looked at Whitmer. Um, she's old oh man. Only 34% reporting. She's up. 51 to 46. So that's close-ish, but she's up by 80,000 votes currently. Um, But like her, Tim Walls, um, Kate Brown, you know, the Oregon race currently with 46% reporting, Tina Kotek, 45.8%. Christine Drazen, the Republican, 44.4%. Now, that's interesting because Phil Knight uh, funded the Republican campaigns. Uh, he hated Oregon. Kate Brown. And, and so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was weird because yeah. I, I heard, I read a quote of him saying that it's time to get the Democrats out of power in Oregon, which surprised me coming from him a little bit. Yeah, and and that's that's interesting. Uh, obviously, as as the night goes on, you you kind of have less hope for something like that, just because it tends to be the 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 population bases that tend to be slow mm-hmm. there with their reporting. So, um, but it is interesting that there's a the the third party candidate is sucked off nine to ten percent of the vote here. So yeah, definitely gives a. A leg up to the Republicans. Well, and, and I think that was what old the Democrats were whining about in Oregon was, well, there's two, you know, two things are drawing away from our, our uh, 
our people. Gavin Newsom is up 60% to 39 in California. Not surprising. Does anybody know who that who was running against him? Brian Dolly? Nope. Never heard of him. <laughs> but he's I mean, he's in a million votes. There's only 19% reporting. He's got a million votes. Gavin has 15 or 1.5 million. So, I mean, someone knew him. Uh, 40% of the electorate just said they were not voting for Gavin. <laughs> this is true. Uh, Katie Hobbs, 56.9. Carrie Lake, 43. I, I'm really surprised at this this number here because I really didn't expect Carrie Lake to lose this. Well, it's only 47%, and th- this is the, the state earlier today where they had their machines like, failed. Right. And they were told, you know, wait for hours. You know, sorry, people wanting to vote. It's going to be hours. Of course, if you say that out loud, then, you know, the algos and the, the people are going to claim you're an election denier. Uh, you're prepping for denial. Which, if that's the case, Hillary Clinton is an election denier because was it last week she said that the Republicans are going to rig and steal the election? Didn't she already <laughs> say that out loud? So is she an election denier too? I hope so, if they're going to keep their standards consistent. So with 97% reporting, DeSantis spanked Chris by 20 points. That is incredible. Especially after they threw Biden, they threw Obama at them. And then the the uh, the Senate race for Val Deming, it's the same thing, 57.9 to 41% um, Rubio over Val. It's not quite as big of a span, but my goodness. Uh, Rubio beat her by 1.3 million votes. That is that's resounding like that that is a that's a message when you win yeah, like that and i'll tell you what the the fact that and i don't know how it completely shook out but with a large number of the votes having already been counted in miami-dade county to to have a republican up in miami-dade county mm-hmm. in the count yeah is just phenomenal Fetterman is up by almost 41,000 votes over Mehmet, the the man behind the curtain. Less less than 1%. And and Oz just just continues to close that gap, so that is interesting. Yeah, because it is getting smaller, slowly, but smaller. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's it's down within, you know, less than a point right now, so that's... uh, that's an interesting to watch, for sure. North Carolina is still not calling that one with ninety five percent of the ninety five percent reporting and uh, three point lead, four point lead. Georgia governor race eighty six percent reporting. Brian Kemp fifty three point eight now. Stacey Abrams forty five point five. That is three, almost exactly 300,000 vote difference with 86% reporting. But again, wasn't it in the 2020 election that overnight Georgia's count flipped? <laughs> Jumped about 400,000 votes. I'm, I'm just going back and reciting history. That's all it is. 
<laughs> and Herschel Walker is just hanging on by a thread right now. They're at 49% with him up by about uh, a few that? hundred votes. <laughs> They're both 49. That's insane. Yeah, that is. Is it a full thousand? It's not. 700 votes. <laughs> wow. 86% reporting. That's another one. You think that's going to go throughout? I mean, there's no way they're going to. Wait, did you say they have to get 50%? Yeah, if they don't get 50.1, then it's a runoff. When does that happen? I think it's four weeks. Oh, brother. Didn't that happen? Isn't that how Warnock got in there? Wasn't that a special election runoff? Or what was that? No, that was a special election. It wasn't a runoff. Okay. Uh, let's jump back into uh, Lester Holt and see what he's got going on here, just because they're chatting away with somebody. Uh, why did you embrace the president, and, and why did it work for others? Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm Talking to thankful that the president Moore, uh, you know, uh, came to Maryland, both because it's important that as a state that we are going to have a strong relationship with Washington. We've got big things. Westmore, governor-elect of, of Maryland. And we're going to need the support yeah, that's uh, from, from Washington in order to do it. But lost that they didn't really lose a Republican. <laughs> Interesting. Is, is proving to be bold and is going to move fast about how we're thinking about everything about renewable energy and clean energy to being able to offer a service year option that was a for every 59 to 37 graduate. win though is prepared as of right now anyway fast. with 72 percent reporting the fact that the president uh, no came i'm, I'm here saying and, the previous governor was uh, dan dan cox it's exciting uh, or was he the incumbent no no okay um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the, the previous governor there. Um, at least in politics, he had a very crowded primary. Uh, Tom Perez, the former uh, DNC chairman, was right. one of his opponents. So he prevailed in the primary and then went on to a race that was a bit right. easier for him because he was, again, it was another of those Trump-backed candidates who proved to be too controversial for the voters exactly. of Maryland. He's never run before. He has run a major charity. He's a military veteran. He was raised by a single mom, saw his father die in in front of him when he was three years old. He is such an American story. It's incredible how much story. she looks like Karen Schlesinger. Um, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch what he, he does, does in Maryland. <laughs> Well, we are continuing to watch the midterm elections. That's crazy about Andrea, Andrea Mitchell, NBC News. You know who she's married to? I don't. Alan Greenspan. Alan Greenspan. Ah. The old Fed chair, right? Right. Which, I mean, if you think about that, it, I, Andrea Mitchell has been... Another f face on television that I don't remember not being there. Um, <laughs> reporter, you know, unbiased reporter. What the heck are the polls in Nevada? Why are we seeing no results from Nevada? <laughs> they're gambling still. Um, <laughs> you think of anyone that can count and do odds, they could do it. <laughs> see something here. Arizona, Katie Hobbs, 56.9. Cary Lake, 43.1. They're still under 50% reporting, though. Uh, oh, that's because their machines shut down. According to earlier reports. This show's going to be so long. So you, <laughs> you, you said Travis Wilson was successful? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, it was 100% of the precincts reporting. All right. 
Oh, hold on. We're at Mehmet Oz's uh, campaign headquarters here. Yes, and they anticipate, according to the acting secretary of state, that they may be going through this counting process for the next few days. But the bottom line is there's certainly some bad signs, some ominous signs for the Oz campaign at this point. Consider John Fetterman's effort. Right now, Fetterman is outrunning, outperforming Joe Biden from the 2020 election what? in some key areas, including Scranton, Joe Biden's hometown. Oz is doubling his performance there right now. The advantage. Geez, what does that say about President Biden? This time around, it is roughly 16 points. And then Allegheny County, that's in Pittsburgh. John Fetterman there tonight with a 33-point advantage so far compared to 20-point advantage that Joe Biden had just a couple of years ago. Dr. Oz has really cast himself as a moderate throughout this campaign, but I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny of the fact that he hosted Donald Trump this past weekend in some of these key counties that folks are watching. And the counties that we're watching Scrutiny by whom? those collar counties that border the suburbs of Philly, that border Philadelphia right now. A lot of votes still to be counted there. And speaking to some of the Republicans of those counties tonight, they said to me, it's the economy stupid, trying to co-op wow. the message that they had heard from Bill Clinton, frankly, back in the early 1990s. But tonight, it's clear that the abortion issue is significant as well. Even some conservatives there say it is again. that was on their mind as they prepared to vote tonight. We'll be keeping a close eye on the way things go over the course of this evening. But Oz is not giving up. He may need to wait several more days before he knows which way this one goes. Back to you, Yeah, guys. Cedar, thanks. And there are the current numbers uh, on the board as we have them. Okay, Gabe Gutierrez is in Atlanta following that close race. He is at the Warnock campaign headquarters. Hi, Gabe. Uh, hi, Savannah. Well, we expected a long night in Georgia, and here we are, a real squeaker. And right now, both candidates <laughs> under the 50% threshold. As we await more votes to roll in, it was a short time ago, John Ossoff, the other senator from Georgia, was here trying to pump up the crowd, trying to convince them to stick around. We still have not heard from Senator Raphael Warnock so far. So the Oliver has made this a race. Hoping that these last batches of votes, a lot of votes actually from in and around Atlanta, might because he's got seventy-two thousand votes, and they are what are they? Fifteen thousand between them. Warnock and Walker. On top tonight, but again, Savannah and Lester. That big question: Whoever comes out on top tonight, will they cross that fifty-percent threshold and prevent the runoff? If no candidate gets win. there, we'll be back here in a, in a few weeks, a month from now. In Remember, I'm two hundred votes apart. Thanks very much. Uh, we want to welcome NBC News contributor Stephen Hayes, who's editor and CEO of the online opinion. And I wonder what these anchors get paid to do election night coverage, because that could be fun. <laughs> Heck, we're doing it without getting paid. By the way, if anyone wants to help support the show, you certainly can do it. Uh, go to the interviewpodcast.org, click on the Donate Today button, and you choose the value you get out of this show, uh, if any, if you're still with us. Um, you choose that value. Everything is very much appreciated. Um, and welcome. So. You can sort of choose what you want. You can believe what you want about this election. Democrats can believe. Man, that guy's getting old. Eugene Robinson? Republicans need one lousy seat in the Senate, five lousy seats in the House, and they have the majorities. And here it is, you know, coming up on midnight, and we still can't say decisively that they've won a majority in either House of Congress. So that's an amazing performance for, you know, for a party in the first term.
term of that party's presidency. It just it, in a midterm, it just doesn't doesn't Can't happen. Can't say we haven't lost um, yet. So uh, we've done amazing. They've defended their turf pretty well. Um, uh, the spin is incredible. Time are, are we'll have to go dig up the other side to see what they're Florida. saying. I think we've really seen the emergence of Ron DeSantis uh, as an even more major figure in the Republican Party. And nobody and, was and surprised by that. Sort of um, really. Um, um, I mean, of all, of all the of all the politicians that rose up from the the crazy during the last couple of years, it's DeSantis all day long. Let's go see here. Sorry, I'm gonna do a little uh, talk amongst yourselves. What's uh, what's Arizona looking like? I'm gonna go find uh some alternative, some some other side of the news. Is um, Mark Kelly is with? Uh, we're still at forty eight percent, so nothing's really changed there. Um, looks like Mark Kelly's up by about eighteen points, um, and I think it's the same numbers on the governor right now, with uh, about a thirteen point lead for Katie Hobbs. So, be interesting to see how that one plays out, for sure. Um, J.D. Vance is uh, talking here. Coalitions all across the state of Ohio. It's such a such an important job because, of course, now that I'm the senator elect for the great state of Ohio, we just. <laughs> we've got, we've got it. Thank you. We've got a solid foundation, not just to win races but to actually get to Washington and serve the great people of Ohio. So i got to thank uh, Graham, Jack Mahoney, Caleb, Daniel, Joe, Thomas, and Seth, our incredible field directors, and, of course, Addie, doing great things for us. And I want to say a few words about our, pa- our, our, our incredible financial team, Powers, Angie Strader, Chris Applegate, and Hannah. Thank you for everything you guys did. And finally, let me just say a few things um, about about the three guys who I think constantly were in my ear about what we needed to do, about how we needed to execute this. This campaign. J.D. Vance from my Ohio. Friend, Jay Shabria, thank you for everything that you did. Andrew Sarabian, a great guy, a Massachusetts guy, but still a good guy. Welcome him to Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Sarabian. And I already, of course, thanked uh, Jordan, Jordan Wiggins. I also want to thank Luke Thompson for everything that you did, uh, did helping us on the outside. So there's, there's the thank yous. All right, there's the thank yous. Oh, good. Thank you, JD. That'll be lovely. Um, did, did you ever watch his uh, hillbillyology? No. You didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> what, what? What was the premise? Uh, it's it's a it's a movie, but it's it's um, kind of about uh, life and the. Poor area of the Appalachians. Okay. So it's a. Yeah, you might be interested. <laughs> no, no, I just. <laughs> this is crazy. <clears throat> um, I'm looking at Minnesota's primary results. Like their. Um, eh, this actually was their primary, it looks like. Um, in their governor race, the, the kinds of parties they have. 
So <laughs> there's a grassroots slash legalized cannabis party. There's a legal marijuana now party. Uh, you think this could join forces? <laughs> you think so, but they're different. Uh, then there is Republican and then Democrat farmer labor. So in Minnesota, they have a DFL. That's their Democrat farmer labor party. I'm trying to find election results for that because I want to see their statewide results here. Show me a map. Just show me the map. (laughs) All right, here we go. District 12. So um, it appears, is that right? Voters, let's see, 50% reporting in District 12 of Minnesota for state senator. Uh, we had on this very program uh, Carrie Dory, who was a DFL candidate for that seat, um, running against an incumbent Republican. Um, she's losing 71 to 25% currently. So unfortunately, her and and she was the one who said everyone deserves to be uh, healthy and happy and loved. Um, that message must not have resonated fully. <laughs> Let's see. Was she the one that kind of freaked out when you asked her a question or two about her thoughts on abortion? past reproductive care. Was that the one? Yeah, that was, uh, and actually we could find the episode here because it was on this show. Um, yeah, it was. She kind of had a meltdown. Yeah, and it's always telling when someone then says, you as a man have no right to say something. Yeah. Um, episode 81 <laughs> Uh, on this show from July. Uh, and and I know this lady. She's a nice lady. We've, you know, interacted over the years. Um, but it was kind of fascinating because that got, uh, and I, you know, talking about it on another show on here is, I don't normally do that, but it, it was interesting to me that it got so, <clears throat> like it popped up as a, as it almost felt anger. Almost. And you can go listen to it, anyone that wants to. Um, but it really was the the idea that um, you should not be able to ever say anything about someone wanting an abortion, especially if you're male. You know, the the double standard is is pretty uh, pretty stark when you when you start looking at um, women going to court to get child support. Um, Okay, you, right, you have some standing in this conversation. What, what right? What right do you have to to tell a man he has to have a child? <laughs> you you mean if they are the ones that that can determine if that child lives or not? Right. Why why does only one parent get the choice to kill a child? I mean, and a it's forced an economic, pregnancy. An economic hardship on the man too, right? Isn't it? Wasn't it Stacey Abrams, the uh, governor candidate for Georgia, 
who said that forced childbirth is um is that what she, is that what she said forced childbirth like yeah. government forced or government mandated birth maybe is if what it is if you kill your kid you have a lot more money for food so that helps inflation <laughs> right exactly <laughs> now and, the, and it's true children are expensive there's no doubt about that but does that mean the answer is Oh, hold on a second. Well, the answer is that, that only one person gets the choice in killing it. Right. Is, is this Kemp? Uh. Well, thank y'all so much. It looks like the reports of my political death have been greatly exaggerated. That's Brian Kemp from Georgia, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they're calling it for... for and listen, uh, it is a great night to be a Georgian. So does this put Stacey Abrams in the well, Beto camp? So much for coming to I be think with it our does. Let's hear it for the best first lady and the best first daughters in the nation. As you all know, this they all got the same dress length memo. That's for sure. Wouldn't be for <laughs> without these four ladies that have worked so hard and supported me in everything I've ever done. So I just cannot thank them enough for their support. Now, this is crazy. That guy's accent, you know, he's Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have had the opportunity to uh, interact a little bit with the CEO of AFLAC, uh, Dan Amos. They're based in Atlanta, Georgia. Exact same drawl, exact same tone, exact same sound. That's crazy. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much, y'all. So now it'll be interesting to hear Abrams' ex- explanation of this this result. I know you all have worked incredibly hard over the last few months, and I look forward well, to working with you. My election results—they just state that the uh, their vote was suppressed. How many did she get? He's gotten 1.9 million and she got 1.6 and a half million. Um, I don't know if that's suppressed. Maybe it is. <laughs> oh, y'all are great. Thank you. And all the hardworking Georgians across the state who came out to our bus stops, our rallies, our meet and greets, those who helped Lucy fill up our diesel fuel can. You remember the bus stop when Lucy was holding the Lucy was holding the diesel fuel can, and we told you at those stops all across the state. <laughs> she brought the can on the stage. It's just in your pocket. <laughs> now, I we could do that for this show. The girls with your contributions, but also just appreciate the strong grassroots supporters that we've had. Literally from Claxton to Calhoun. I think I'm going to do that. You know, we have all the money we need for this show. It just is sitting in your bank accounts now. All you got to do is give us a transfer. So Oregon, 47% reporting currently by Kemp. Um, Tina Kotek, 45.5%. 
Christina Drazen, Drazan, I don't know how to say her name, uh, 44.6. So they are 9,000 votes apart, actually. <clears throat> so that's kind of, that will be interesting because I, I grew up in Oregon, peanut gallery. Has there ever been a non-Democrat governor in my lifetime? I think Vic Atia was the last one, and that was probably... <laughs> Before me. Might have been. Could have been in the uh, 80s. Well, I, was I believe the number I heard was 40 years since there's been a Republican governor there. Mm. Huh. I was talking to Larry Blydner on the episode 85 of the show. Uh, and just the idea or, or the my memory of of voting, like I remember as a little kid, um, my parents would go vote, and so we'd go sit in the car as they went to the poll somewhere. Um, but ever, geez, when did they implement mail-in voting? Yeah, that remember. mail-in voting just killed things there because they just send out all of those ballots, and it's it's not controlled very well at all. Um, well, there's no chain of custody. Safe, 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 and effective. It's perfect. What are you talking about? I can't tell you. Uh, my grandparents, after they passed, their, their ballots continued to show up for years after that. <laughs> Did they was, really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, I only mailed them back in a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> You could literally, because they mail them out to mm-hmm. pretty much everybody, right? You could literally go to the post office and see people throwing away ballots. That's I mean, nuts. there's just, it, it. it's ripe for cheating. It really is. Man, Christie's lead's getting bigger here. 63.6 to 33%. I mean, that's got to change. It's got to change. Sioux Falls got to come in for Jamie something. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, if he gets beat by 40%, oh. It is it is interesting to me that Arizona is not tabulating any more votes. It's just. They're stuck at 48%. You're right. That's because their machines broke. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can count any votes. Uh, I mean, apparently just, not. Very strange. Uh, let's go back and see what uh, what's NBC. There, there were two lawsuits filed by the Republicans in Arizona. When? Today, because of the because of them breaking, like m- mid ship, they just bam, we're gonna sue you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because of the glitches. So the House, uh, so far the Democrats have lost four seats, and the Republicans have gained two. I still don't know how that works. Maybe some of the races haven't been called yet. That. Well, they had to flip five. Okay. So okay. So then maybe the other two. I wonder if well, that I means don't know what six. That means. Who knows? Well, see, I wonder about that. Is it a, a yeah, combined something? Uh, Senate so far, 43 Dems, 45 GOP. That's how it sits currently. 43, 45? Mm-hmm. 
Well, they picked up Vance. Well, they didn't either because Toomey was the. No, we're going to lose Pennsylvania, it looks like. You think old Fetterman's going to take it? And it doesn't look good. Uh, Is Mehmet not worth it? Mehmet. Oh, let's go to Chuck real quick. Oh, some hello audio. We haven't still aren't able to call to count Indiana Indiana one, which tells you part of the reason is because we still don't know which way the house is going. And in fact, with Indiana one did tell us it just we didn't know it was going to tell us that Savannah. Well, we are in suspense with bated breath. It's coming up on nine o'clock on the West Coast midnight here. We're still going full speed ahead. (laughs) Lots of results to come in. Results unknown. We'll be back after this. So I would love to know what the the actual ratings are for at this point in the game for that kind of reporting, you know, where we've got, you know, oh, we're still going strong. We're going to keep I going. It's it midnight to, in, on, on the West Coast. Yeah, or the East it starts Coast. to drop off. It has to. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine is, anyone's watching this show still. Uh, it, well, it is interesting that, that they had the, the spread at 46-46, and um, for Google has 45-43. Oh, yeah. On the yep. What have they called? Oh, no, 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 no. So um, Google says other parties have two seats. So there are two independents that caucus with the Democrats. So technically, That's true. there are 45 Dems. Because, yeah, which, but, they, but they were they were on that one you were just looking at. They had forty six, forty six. So that, that means they, that's what I don't understand. And I asked um, a friend of mine working in the Senate, and he didn't have a good answer to me. Um, how do the Democrats have control of the Senate when they technically have fewer members than the GOP? But it's only because of the stinking mm-hmm. independents. Right. Right. I lost my camera. Hold on. Hang on. I got to go figure something out here. We've been going so long, I think my battery died. <laughs> All right. Re- read through some results here. I'm going to go fix that. All right. Um, let's see. We're still at 48% in Arizona, and we're still not seeing any results from Nevada, which is crazy. Um, Mike Lee looks like he's doing okay in Utah. That was a interesting mess there where Romney refused to endorse the Republican. What a clown he's turned out to be. Um, Georgia, 49.1 to 48.9. And that one is just neck and neck. They're about, uh, looks like they're about 9,000 votes apart right now. That one, that one's just gonna seesaw for a while. If if uh, Walker can't pick up about another point on this, it looks like he'll have to do a runoff, which will be interesting. Um, well, I'm not sure how much longer those water pipes are gonna be able to hold up. <laughs> they may have to shut things down and clean that up. Yeah, right. <laughs> True story. Uh, Nevada is such a weird one that we're not seeing anything and we're not seeing any movement in Nevada. Uh-oh. Hmm? My TV 
wants to know if I'm still here. Are you still watching? <laughs> All right, we got that fixed. Oh, kick me out. Go back now. All right. Um, what else do we have here? Well, let's jump into Crowder here, see what he's got going on. So take the Senate, I think you're looking at a series of messaging bills <laughs> wow. being the kinds of things that House Republicans pass. And I... Hold on, what's going on here? Yeah, you be quiet. That's the Tommy Boy quote, if anybody... Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got what's extra the, time on my hands. The... Which, by the way, takes place in where? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I have family in Wisconsin, yeah. too, of course. Uh, <laughs> I love the good old Abbott in the background. I know all about it. I know Sandusky, all about Ohio. Sandusky, Ohio, my friend. Sandusky, Ohio, you're right. Callahan I, I Auto is located in Sandusky, Ohio. Well, we have a guy from Wisconsin here right now. Hey, why do you not, sorry. What, Jeremy, why do you sorry, not sound sorry. all retarded? <laughs> <laughs> Brother. That's a fair question. I Look. <laughs> I don't really have much to say about that, but I will And now say, our well, show's getting right pulled off something. You can say, I don't have a lot to say about that. <laughs> oh, that's a fact, Jack. We're going to the snack shack. <clears throat> All right. Did he say the R word? <laughs> oh, oh, holy cow. Oh, she, oh, she giving consent. Oh, Kathy Hochul, this lady. I want to thank all of them, but tonight I want to speak directly to New Yorkers. So is she going to thank God for these votes now, like she thanked God for the Sheila, vaccines? With a special way. Yeah. Sheila has that special way of keeping me humble. I want to thank all of them, but tonight I want to speak directly to New Yorkers. Tonight, <laughs> Not us. Particularly my only sister. All right, so you heard there. We're going to nah, get some they of cut the right away. <laughs> we don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I wonder if, uh, well, they're not even talking. Yeah, so uh, so NBC does have 46-46. The Herschel Walker watch party in Georgia as well. We're going to keep some of these up. Remember, we want to hear from Governor Kathy Hochul. She gave uh, extensive <laughs> remarks in this victory speech. We'll have it in just a moment. Well, bully for you. <laughs> Well, I think if they're not going to... Herschel, uh, there's some video feed from Herschel's podium. I don't think think they're going to be able to celebrate tonight. (laughs) Remember when uh, Hillary lost and they were all excited and then their people were like crying in the room because they had this whole thing planned and it didn't they have like a glass ceiling prepared to shatter? And well, I mean, at the Javits Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty which, ritzy venue. Yeah, which is, I mean, you totally have to plan for that kind of stuff. That's great television. But what's like Ron Johnson starting to pull away there too? Is he? What what a disappointment though! You spend all that cash, all that time, all that money, and then just like. You end with nothing. Like your resolution is gone. It <laughs> well, would suck. they are in Wisconsin, so I mean, you got Madison there. So, <clears throat> well, this is true. Is Madison uh, counted yet? Probably not. I mean, the University of Wisconsin is the Berkeley of the Midwest, is what I'm told. Wasn't he running against Nelson Mandela? Yes, <laughs> he died. I think like 
five years ago. <laughs> Not Nelson. Oh, Mandela Barnes. Barnes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it together. <laughs> uh, good times. Chuck Grassley, 79%. He's a shoe-in. The old codger. Uh, John Thune, 71% to 25% bangs. I feel bad for Brian. Um, Idaho, Oregon. Ron Wyden. Oh, that's another guy. How long, long has he been there? Well, oh. he, he beat out Gordon Smith. Oh, I forgot about Gordon Smith. And, uh, and he's been in there ever since. That's insane. Uh, Patty Murray is pulling away 57 to 43% currently. Alex Padilla from California is 1.1 million votes ahead of Mark Muser with 31%. Yeah, Nevada's got nothing coming in. What are they doing? It's very strange. Polls are closed, and there's no no results. What? I get Alaska not coming in yet, but Nevada? That's not the story. The story is you're asking questions, but nobody on the mainstream <laughs> this is. This is true. <laughs> hey, they Why got not? Walker Warnock 49-49 there within uh, 100 votes. No, they're less than 1,000 votes apart currently. Yeah. I'll just drop this yeah, visual on there. Yeah. there. Do they show the percentage? Uh, 49-49. No, of votes counted. Oh. Uh, 72% reporting. Mm. Well, there's... Can you imagine none of this happened, but if somebody cheated, yeah. they had the, the fix was in. Mm -hmm. which, and, which it wasn't, clearly. Yeah, no, it wasn't, but if it was... And you knew it, and the numbers started going against you. It would be like, "Hey, these guys are cheating me." The cheater <laughs> would think he was being right, cheated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rubio has beaten Val Demings by one million three hundred thousand votes. That is substantial. I'm telling you. Especially just like yesterday, the Democrats were all on the social medias, all just jacked up about um, all of their, you know, the, the, we're going to elect her. She's going to be the first whatever to the Senate. Well, a big slug of Republicans left California and moved to Florida, and that's who voted for Rubio. A bunch of Californian Republicans. Well, actually. Well, now, that's I fascinating. Well, one of the things, though, that has happened there, too, is is a lot of the Latino vote went Republican this time. Yeah, That's how come they took Miami-Dade County. Oh, yeah. It looks like old Walker's on the stage somewhere, but they keep going away from it. He's not talking. <laughs> Colorado, Michael Bennett's winning, 65% reporting. Uh, he's up by 130,000 votes. He was a failed presidential candidate as well. Mark Kelly's up for 57.8. They're still at 48% reporting, though. Something is up. Something is up in, in Arizona. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Nevada, nothing. Something's up there. Mike Lee is winning uh, in 
But he's running against a an independent. Looks like it. I don't, it doesn't even look like there was a uh, a Democrat in the race for Senate. In Utah. They didn't need one. They, <laughs> what? <laughs> what was his name? McMullen. Oh yeah, Evan. I heard somebody call him McMuffin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Ron Johnson is. Once you up seventy thousand, six yeah, about seventy thousand now votes. Todd Young, JD Vance. So JD Vance was a flip, is that right? In Ohio? No. no. Because Toomey was Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He retired. Yeah. Fetterman is at forty nine point three. Mehmet is at forty eight point three. So now they're one point apart. Which equals out to being somewhere in the eighty thousand vote range. Mehmet, how do you say that? Mehmet. That uh, Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor like, Oz. I like the man behind the curtain better. <laughs> Vermont, Maggie Hassan, uh, Connecticut. Oh, is Richard Blumenthal? Is that who that is? It is. Yeah, he was winning. Yep, he's winning 54.8. There's how much percent reported? Let's see here. 44%. Huh. Well, you know, Fetterman's camp is... Let's just throw this on the screen. Fetterman's camp is so good, they're actually just playing CNN on his stage. (laughs) They're also going to be hanging out there, I guess. (laughs) All right. Let's see. What's uh... I think I think what we've run into at this point is all of these places are going to kind of drag to a stop in terms of reporting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to see much change at this point. Yeah. And so, uh, how long have we been on the air? Three three hours forty eight minutes. So, yeah, we probably because at this point, like as we look left to right across the uh, the map. As I'm looking here, um, and actually, I'm going to do this real quick. Let's go over here so I can throw it in this tab that I'm sharing. Um, all right, so we're just going to throw this up and walk through it for a second if we can. I'll go full screen so we can see it better. Not Beto. You know what? Um, let me go back to me for a second. If you look at, it's Beto. If it'll focus, yeah. Let's start that. Sorry, this uh, courtesy Andrew <laughs> to me. That's good. Um, I was looking at a mirror image of voted. I had a I voted uh, apparently for Trump sticker um, that I wore today after I did Democracy, and yeah. I looked at it in a mirror and reversed. It's Beto V. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Special. All right. So, as we look at these uh, races here, let's see if I can do that. It might be big. No, it's not bigger. Never mind. Um, so, Oregon, this is Senate results. Ron Wyden, 54% reporting. I don't know if you can see that at all. Um, yeah, they're so... If we look at, here's where I'm a little... Oh, they, they've called Patty Murray now for Washington. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, so they've, they've called a number of these races. So um, the only ones I see that are leaning blue currently are Pennsylvania and Arizona, other than the ones that they've called, right? So they've outright called. Correct. Yep. And yeah, leaning blue. You're right. Yep. Everything else is, is a, so that a check gets mark. Us to 46. But then if we just go with the ones that are leaning red. Which is Georgia, Utah, which Utah's going to get there. Like, there's no way that's not red. Right. Wisconsin. Uh, let's look. He's, he's at 80. It, let's see. 51 to 48% now. I, I think Ron Johnson pulls that out. I'll be surprised if he doesn't win. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we don't know how Georgia's going to go, but we figure Wisconsin, Utah, probably Nevada, Alaska is pretty, pretty safe. It gets us to 49 with Georgia being kind of a toss up, but the Dems at 46 with two, uh, two independents puts them at 48. Where's the rest of the races? What am I missing? That's a good point. I don't know. Um, I don't know what that, where that is. Cause here Republican party total of 45 seats, Democrats, 44, other parties, two, and then Republican parties have won 16 and 29 when there was no election. Democrats have won 10 and there's 34 that were no election. So I don't understand that either. Hmm. So yeah, I'm not terribly sure where those, where the numbers are. Well, no, that makes sense because there's a hundred total. Yeah, but I'm just looking at the the election mm-hmm. results here. So you've got basically 46 seats already in the Democrat column. You got 45 seats in the GOP column. Well, now it looks like 47 seats. What did they just call? My refresh your screen there. They have 45 Dems, ah, which would on. be 47. 45 GOP here. But then if we look at, what do these guys have? Nothing. Okay. But they're not showing 10 outstanding races. That's the thing that's got me baffled. Yeah, because they show 45 and 45 total seats currently. The Democrats have won. So what, well, is it Patty Murray that they just called for her? Illinois was there already. There's no way they're calling Kelly at this point in Arizona. Isn't he way over? What do you mean? He's over Blake Masters by quite a bit, isn't he? Well, 57 to 40. There's there's some serious serious problems. Yeah, they haven't changed their reporting number for an hour. I think they've stopped counting. They're doing whatever it is they're doing. They've got lawsuits they have to deal with, and so. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so that's the Senate world. Um, My mouse is stupid. So now let's look at the House world. So it it is interesting. I'm I'm looking here at Fox News, and they're showing the GOP count at 174. It just went away. Um in, in the house, obviously, one seventy four yeah. to what? Did it show what the Dems were at? Uh, it did, but it uh, it went away, so I don't I don't have it anymore. Okay. So. 
Google seems a little behind on there. This uh, is the Associated Press, so this is official. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> they they let the secretaries of state <laughs> do uh, yeah. report. Yeah. Yeah, so uh governors so we have a bunch of leaning blue. They have Arizona. Still, yeah, we're at 48. We're not going to know that. New Mexico. Michelle Luwan or whatever her name is. I'm surprised. She's the incumbent. I'm surprised she's winning because of how she locked the state down. And the same with Tim Walls in Minnesota, though, really. Um, apparently, the people don't have any. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Gretchen Whitmer for her to be winning in Michigan now, is blows my mind. That 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 is interesting right now. So it looks like Michigan is. I mean, they're only at forty six percent reporting. So uh-huh. a lot of votes left to count there. Yeah, and she's up by one hundred and what? No, less than a hundred thousand votes. What's that? Eighty? No, seventy five. <clears throat> Asking me to do math at eleven o'clock. <laughs> right. I'm not asking you to do anything. Um, <laughs> Maine is uh, now. So okay, is it so rural that Maine can't be counted? Sixty-nine percent <laughs> reporting in Maine. That's it. We've got sixty-six in Colorado reporting. Wyoming, uh, sixty-two. South Dakota, sixty-six. Nebraska, seventy-three. And Maine can't get their crap together to get more than sixty-nine percent reporting. <laughs> Tina Kotech. I, I, my mouth wants to say something else when I say that, but I won't. Uh, 55% reporting, 45.9. So she's only up by, geez, is that 18,000 votes? That would be insane if if the Democrat loses in Oregon. Yeah, it would. And it looks like Raphael has... Uh... Pulled ahead by a couple hundred votes. Over the Herschel? Over the Herschel. (laughs) Hurdle, hurdle, hurdle. Yeah, it just moved to the blue instead of the pink. It's baby blue. Uh, What's that, 300 votes? Yeah. He went up by 300. 89% reporting. Have they... (laughs) I can't. So if they if they continue to stay right there in that forty nine percent range, it isn't going to matter anyway. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah, because it'll just go the outcome of that. Yep. Yeah. So um, now, is that the goal? Do you think to force a runoff just because just to have another? Now we know who benefits from political campaigns. One hundred percent, and that is the news media. <laughs> so it would behoove them, wouldn't it? <laughs> to uh yeah. to have this stay at forty nine percent and have to do a runoff because think of the ad revenue. Oh man, the whole the whole nation is oh, gonna be focused oh. there, especially yes. with the fact that it doesn't look like I mean, if the Republicans take a majority in the Senate, it's it's gonna be a very, very slim majority. Well, and let's let's not forget or rather, let's remember that for War- when Warnock won the last time, the billboards and the campaign was from President Biden, elect Warnock, 
and we are giving you $2,000 checks. $2,000 checks are in the mail if you elect <laughs> Warnock. That I don't know how that was legal, but that's what they did. So they got their $2,000 checks. So what are they going to give away this time to get this election to happen? So unless I'm missing something... So the the Democrats actually have done pretty well in this on this uh, run here. Mm-hmm. Forty seven. Uh, they're setting up forty seven right now with the with the two independents. Um, you assume Wisconsin, Utah, and Alaska. That puts us at forty eight, with Nevada and Georgia being the. We will, but the great news is every single drop. Of election ballots that have come in the last three drops have shown us up 85%, 87%, 81%. I just want, I just want the propagandists back there to know, <laughs> don't embarrass yourselves, don't embarrass yourselves. Don't do it again, you've done it too many times. But what I want you to know is that the same movement we had last night at that rally in Prescott, the same movement we had at that rally in Scottsdale, the same movement we had at the rallies we've had before with record people is the same movement we have right this second. Nothing has changed. And I, and I want you to know we are going to monitor the ballots we we got to work in this system that we have right now. And as they continue to come in and our numbers go up, up, up like they did last time, when we win, first line of action is to restore honesty to Arizona elections. She's clapping for her own line. <laughs> now, God did not, God did not, God did not put us on this fight because it was going to be easy. Are you blaming God? Not one thing that we've had to go through has been easy. <laughs> we beat back billions of we beat back a billionaire in the establishment. Okay, let's just be frank. We have Name had them. everyone Name come them. against us. Tens of millions of dollars in in spending coming against us. Nothing has been easy. When corruption has risen to the level that it's at right now, it takes tough, strong people. Are you tough and strong? Are you willing to continue this fight? So, hey, Fox Are you News willing has 47, for incompetency to play itself out? Uh, yeah. On the Senate and 175 to 136 in the House. Oh. I heard, uh, I just got a note from, uh, on, on the phone that says, I hear Abrams just conceded, but still hasn't conceded from the last election. <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't really lose that last one. Right. This one's bad, but that's funny. So what did Fox have? Uh, they have one, uh, Republicans at 175, Democrats 136 in the House currently, and uh, Senate 47-47. Hmm. But since I'm not, you know what? Okay, so. All right. Okay. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Here we go. Let me actually 
stop that screen. Let me go look at this one here. Sorry, I'm, I'm adding a different screen to this so we can... <clears throat> Where are we at here? All right. So this uh, is Fox page. There we go. All right. So six Senate seats left in play, they say. Uh, Democrats 47, Republicans 47. Um, so the ones in play are what? Born Nevada. Oh, uh, there you go. Ah, uh, yep. Okay. Key seats. North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, Alaska, and Georgia. More than six. Yeah, that's they've already called some of those. That doesn't. Yeah, but they have a check mark on these. Um, because Murray was called Scott, Bennett, Hassan from New Hampshire. Hundred twenty-four house seats left in play. So Republicans at one seventy-five, Democrats one thirty-five. It is crazy to me when you look like at the house map, just the color. That happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let's go to the governor's. All right, Kotech, 45.9, Drazen, 44.39. Um, 50, that's half the vote count reporting. Yeah. I just think the Democrat has to win that. Yeah. Arizona here is still sitting at 48%. That makes no sense. This is amazing to me that South Dakota, Christy Noem is 63 to 33% over Jamie Smith. I, wow. Tim Walls. I'm really kind of, not really. I guess I'm kind of surprised that Tim Walls won by that margin so far. One of my uh, colleagues in Minnesota. <clears throat> Had a campaign, one term walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, little. Well, old... Huh? Uh, I was going to say, should we wrap this one? Since I think so. Because at this point, I, I mean, I don't know what else we can learn. I mean, Ron Johnson, um, real quick, let's look at that. Oh, where'd it go? Where'd my map go? Well, we'll do this, and then I'll look at this other side. <clears throat> All right, so the map says, in the Senate side of things, at this point, 85% Ron Johnson is 51.6 uh, over Mandela. Nelson's kid, no, 48.4. Uh, 85%, I mean, I guess it's looking good for, for Johnson. Utah, 
I, I don't know what's up with that one. 54, Mike Lee, 42, Evan McMullen, uh, 49% reporting. California, Padilla's in, Ron Wyden's in, Patty Murray's in. Um, Arizona, oh, 49% reporting now, Arizona. Holy cow. Uh, Mark okay. Kelly's up by 220,000 votes. Uh, Warnock, 89%. They're still at 49%. They've got Warnock up by 2,000, oh, sorry, 1,900 votes currently. Uh, yeah, so tomorrow maybe we'll have more number. Well, okay. If history, if past is prologue, um, then uh, we will have different numbers tomorrow. Um, Alaska, nothing yet, so that'll be interesting. Hopefully, Obinum will pull out his seat. That'll be kind of fun. Um, yeah, I don't know what else we can say other than it's been kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah, I like it. I had a good time, even if nobody else did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Andrew, from uh, are you technically in Denton? You're not, right? You're south of Denton? No, I'm actually in Hickory Creek. Hick- Hickory. Oh, yeah. How, how did your uh, local measure your... Uh... Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, so when we were down there, there was a couple things. You had a local measure that... <laughs> You couldn't find data on, and we looked, couldn't find any data on what it actually meant. Right. It was, but uh, didn't it say to legalize the sale of alcohol, basically? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's see how that went. And did you happen to vote in favor of that by chance? Uh, I did vote in favor of that. Oh. I'm always, I'm always in favor of, of more commerce, not less. Absolutely. Um, so let me see here. Uh, you probably have to go check in with the uh, check in with them to find out what the uh, results were. <laughs> Knock on their door. Hey, do you uh, have the results of us of this? Uh, Heck, you couldn't even explain the measure. Or maybe they're just so simple that it made sense. John Thune's the projected winner. Thank you, uh, NBC. Of course. 71% to 20. Man, Brian Bank. I feel bad. That guy got shellacked. Man. <laughs> he was the military uh, guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, episode. He was a JAG officer. Yeah, yep. Uh, episode 73 of the interview here. So that was back from May of this year. <clears throat> well, this also was an interesting uh, experiment on, uh, on the show's part because uh, we have simultaneously been streaming to uh, three YouTube channels. So uh, I have one for another podcast. I do this podcast and then a personal one that I have. Uh, plus Rumble. We were on the Rumble. Uh, and uh, our flagship Facebook page here uh, at the Y Mail Bank Podcast Network. So 
Uh, that's an interesting. So, yeah, I'm nothing. No luck. Nothing on this. Uh, hey, that's just like trying to find out what the what the bill said. How about that? Right. You got to pass uh, it to know what's in it. Come on. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, crazy. But yeah, no. No, I would uh, love to know what that is if you ever find out. And if we can uh, ever understand why Nevada has no results, I would love to know that as well. Yeah. So when I go to, when I go to the election page, it only has the uh, the election for the. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. Election information. Um, Peanut Gallery. Do you see anything on the uh, social or on the across the interwebs as you dig about there? Uh, that talks about Nevada not having any results yet? I didn't see anything. Hmm. No, I think they're kind of... I think it was uh, when... when I, I think it was when, when Bush Gore was up, or it could have been um, Bush and uh, Lurch. <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, they the carry, yeah the watermelon ex- heads. <laughs> the, <laughs> the exit polls were um, way in favor of the Dems, and then when the votes started coming in, it was going heavily for Bush, and they stopped counting after a while for like over an hour. I don't know what they were doing because it didn't seem right. Yeah, they were. Huh. It's like, whoa, this isn't right. That's not what we ordered. <laughs> or that's not what they said, but um, I don't know what they said. And it's kind of like Nevada and Arizona. Why did they stop? Mm. They stopped with, uh, well, the the Dems are up in Arizona, pretty, barely, pretty high. In in what? In in, in the, the in the, the governor. governor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two hundred. There's there's over half the. The votes on unreported, yeah. right? Or a precinct, something, yeah. Now, what's the what's the Nevada count right Nothing. now? Nothing, zero. There's no results at all. Oh, from no results. Oh, that, okay. that's the crazy part. Is there's just yeah. nothing from Nevada. Yeah. And nothing from Alaska, which I I kind of well. What time? It's three hours different, so it's eight thirty there. Um, that's probably right. They wouldn't be coming out yet. In the next hour, they certainly should have. <clears throat> but anyway, all right, Andrew. Any last words of wisdom? Uh, I would much rather have seen that red wave we were talking about. I don't think we saw that tonight. Do you think that it has moved the needle though? And and if let's say it's similar, but it does like the House changes hands, does that affect the president's? trajectory do you think oh for sure it, it for sure does i mean he can't he can't just do whatever he wants at that point um it will be interesting to see how how much that needle moves on the house side though for sure hmm. all right this is weird and it's only weird because uh, so i'm monitoring the nbc news feed and they just showed some a little bite of that carrie lake speech the one we saw yeah. just a few minutes ago, right. where when we saw it, she looked very full color, you know, warm tones. The image they just showed, that same feed, she looked dead. 
<laughs> like washed out. Like it's like they t- crank the white balance way down to where it's not natural. Oh, they didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Was that an accident? <laughs> oh, brother. All right, Andrew, thank you so much. Anywhere you want to send people if they want to pay attention to you. You don't really do anything on the socials, do you? I just I just troll liberals on Twitter, that's all. Excellent. This is the interview. Um we'll wait on that. I wanted to go out on a a song called Common Ground. Uh, but there you go. Uh, the dot org. Uh, again, remember, I don't know if anyone stayed this long, but if you did, we appreciate it. And uh, you can go to the interviewpodcast.org and help support the show. And we uh, would appreciate it. And in, in the words of Brian Kemp, we have all the money we need for this show. It's just in your <laughs> wallet. So all we got to do is just transfer it over. So anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, Andrew, it's been fun. Uh, thanks to Jeremy Bynum. Uh, vote Bynum. Thanks to Travis Wilson. Uh, in uh, Missouri, congratulations on his win. Uh, and Matt, Matt, Matt Wilson, my brain just shut off. Matt Wilson uh, gave a ton of great commentary. It was really fun to have him on the show. I'd like to have him back. Um, and uh, who else came on here? Was that it? Was that all we had? Pop, popping in. And the peanut, and the peanut gallery. No, the peanut gallery. That's there. Right. There is one bonus question that you can get an A if you get this right. What do you, what do you get if you cross? Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Better? He's trying to... <laughs> to get better. He's trying to sabotage the show right at the end. Good work. <laughs> Theinterviewpodcast.org. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us for this weird election day uh, night special. Um, we will certainly see you on the next one. Um, have a great time. And... Uh, See you later. I know we right, see ya. the right thing with needle in our compasses trembling. Trapped in the flames as our house burns down. Left for dead cause we can't find common ground.